Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, January 26, 2021 years after zero. Can't thank you enough for choosing to join us. Uh, if you enjoy this show, please be a friend, tell a friend. Mm -hmm. If not, just act like it never happened. Um, had no idea if this was going to happen today. It happened. I'm thankful for it. This show's, this might be our best show. My favorite show of the year, for might, sure. Might be our best show we've ever done. Yeah. So for all those shitty shows you guys have listened to, this is one of those ones where you're like, all right, happy I stayed. Yeah. Subscribe to this show. We appreciate you so much. Uh, let's get to it. Is it Aaron Rodgers Tuesday or not? Hmm. Great question. We do not know. <laughs> I said I would give an update on whether or not Aaron Rodgers will be joining us today. There was no update to be had, so there was no update to give. Uh, we have no idea, but we do know we have... The new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley, joining yeah, us in yeah, about 22 yeah. minutes. Woo. Can't wait to chat with him. He used the word a gate in his press oh, conference. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal, which, by the way, a gate tie is. It's a common rock formation. Of course it mm -hmm. is. Big analytics guy. Uh, he moves from the Rams to the Chargers as a head coach. Can't wait to hear what he's got to say about, you know, things happening in the NFL, the future of the Chargers, Justin Herbert, they got a guy. How you going to do it moving forward? Let's go. Also, Michael Chandler, uh, the fighter uh, from the United States of America, Hell yeah. uh, had an American flag around him. Uh, he was a wrestler at uh, Missouri, I believe. And this past weekend, he made his UFC debut after 11 years in Bellator. Made his UFC debut and uh, hit the guy with a, uh, a jab to the sternum, overhand right to knock him out. Whoa. By the way... A move that I frequent in the <laughs> Oculus Arena. I'm a big fan of this guy. He cut a promo after the win, uh, reminiscent a la Ric Flair at the Royal Rumble with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest day. That's baby. He didn't do the tear in my eye, but he cut a promo afterwards. I did a backflip off the top of the cage. He seems to be a guy. We got a guy joining us today. Pump for that. He's He called out uh, Habib. Khabib? Yep. Khabib. Khabib? Yep. Connor? Yep. Uh, Poirier? Yep. yep. And everybody in the uh, light heavyweight division, or 155, whatever it is, light, what is it, lightweight? Light, lightweight. I know, I know fighting. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. I can't wait to chat with him. That's in the second hour. And then in the third hour, AJ Hawk will definitely be yep. joining us. Right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Will we be joined by anybody else? TBD. Uh, at some point, hopefully today, we... Oh. <laughs> Big question marks there, though. Don't want to. I mean, nope. Let's, we got to keep those on there. <laughs> this is not a tease or anything like that. This is real life. We this is this is inflection on that last thing going. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real. Who knows? Who done it? Not us. One eight 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 Mad Dog Six. We we'll also chat with you. There's a lot of stuff happening in the sports world. Uh, allegedly, the man who's potentially going to be joining us, we're not sure that there is no indications that he is right now, but potentially, who knows, by the time the time comes joining us, uh, alleged contract extension negotiations that are being popped up. Who knows who Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk, uh, he's reporting that Aaron Rodgers potentially wants several things from the Packers. One thing he wants and deserves is a new contract. Okay. 
Maybe. We talked about this throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple times throughout the season where we mentioned, oh, Aaron's going to be gone after this year. He's playing great football. And every single time, Ty would say, hey, can we wait for the season, Ed? Mm-hmm. Right, Ty? Yeah, exactly. By the way, there was a little bit of a conspiracy fodder on oh, uh, oh in the YouTube comment section yesterday <laughs> that uh, you made a comment about something, uh, Brett Favre, I think, oh, yeah. and then the we lost connection on YouTube. And then whenever we came back, you were you were gone. Oh. There was people saying I fired you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, by the I, way, that 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 won't happen. First of all, I, I, that's not how I would operate. It wouldn't be like immediately go to commercial break. Packer bags. Hey, by the way, don't ever fucking show up. <laughs> yeah, you have to out. at least talk about a deep drive to left by Castle. <laughs> <laughs> At Ton Diggs talking about old power over there in Cincy. Tom Brenneman. Uh, there it is. But uh, yeah. Ty is edited. How many podcasts at this point? Uh, 500 plus. 500 Woo. plus podcasts. There was often nights where Ty did not sleep because he was trying to post something. If you think Ty saying something about Brett Favre is going to get him fired, you're out of your goddamn mind at this point and have a little bit more respect for the respect that I have for Ty uh, for those that were talking about that. I, that was a real thing yeah, that was being chatted about. Yeah, I was not privy to that, and I didn't get any tweets or anything. So that's No, I was in the in the YouTube. Yeah, 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 I was in the okay. YouTube. Right, Billy well. Tubes is the one that brought that up to me. He said, by the way, new conspiracy uh, on the tubes. Uh, you fired Ty during a commercial break, and I was like, I did? Why'd they say that? And then he said, well, we lost connection and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. Uh, but anyways, during the season, we said, Aaron Rodgers is gone after this year because mm-hmm. they drafted Jordan Love. They're pushing him out. He's having his best year. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And we got quarterbacks moving. You know, he's gone. And Ty would always say, let's wait till the end of the season. Then as you continue to watch the season go, how it went with how awesome it was going for the Packers. By the way, there's only one team that doesn't have a terrible ending to the season. I mean, it is a very true thing. But as it was going, it was awesome. Here we are. And we thought, you know what? Hey, you can make it right. Just give him a seven, eight-year deal. Yeah. Just go ahead and lock him up as a Packer. $500 million. <laughs> Here you go. And we'll pay you until you want to retire. And then when you retire, we'll just kind of see you later. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And that was a conversation we had a couple weeks. We're like, I'll oh, just give him a long-term mm-hmm. deal. It's, and now Florio is reporting that sources are telling him, which who knows who those sources could potentially be. Everybody has their sources. And I would assume people like Florio aren't putting things out if they hadn't heard it. Right? Like right. that's not something mm-hmm. going on. So maybe it is like Aaron's like – and, and maybe even the Packers are like, hey, let's go ahead and lock this thing up long term. Although the conversation yesterday was awesome to talk about him walking in there and saying, I ain't never playing another fucking snap here. <laughs> yeah, I ultimately, I mean, we, we said it yesterday and people are still saying like, hey, stop spinning that. I mean, I don't think he's leaving. He's we, gonna... said it, we said it before every single conversation mm-hmm. yesterday. Exactly. Nothing he said makes us think he's going to retire or leave the Packers. But if we're all talking about it, let's talk we about it. We got to talk about it. But yeah, I, I, a lot of the stuff I read said that he doesn't want to ha- be in like a lame duck situation in 2021. I mean, the guy obviously deserves, you know, I think they should have to. They, sh- you know, I mean, he can get that like, okay, either you're gonna re up with me and we're gonna we're gonna move on, we're gonna get back to the Super Bowl, or. Like, let's put a clock on this thing and let me get out of here and go pursue it somewhere else. Interesting this is all happening because he said there's a lot of futures that are uncertain, mine, mm-hmm. myself included. That could be about anything, by the way. Well, there's a True. lot of guys on the team, too, that probably aren't going to be around next year. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of conversation to be had that we have had. But we hope uh, that Aaron Rodgers does whatever the hell Aaron Rodgers wants Absolutely. to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, at, at Boston Connor, um, Michael Lombardi mm-hmm. chatted with us yesterday on Hammer Don, which is our gambling podcast that we do out of the studio. Diggs, Gumpy, myself, and Michael Lombardi, formerly uh, Cleveland Browns GM. And 
coaching consultant or advisor or whatever for the New England Patriots for a long time. He has two kids that coach mm -hmm. in the NFL. I mean, a guy, he's written books, Gridiron Genius, incredible football mind whenever oh, yeah. we're whenever you listen to him talk it's awesome he knows walsh he knows davis he knows belichick he knows everybody and his last name is lombardi i mean there is <laughs> it is listen, listening to him chat about football is incredible yesterday he was like hey do not rule out the patriots in the matthew stafford game Ooh. they got the cap space they need a quarterback and then i think the question was brought to him like yeah but with who like who's he going to go there for then he mentioned a couple other players mm -hmm. like well but alan robinson hunter henry how, how do you feel all of a sudden Julian Edmonds out there. How do, you, how do you feel about that all of a sudden? Harry. And then as a as a Patriot fan, you have to think <laughs> Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Come on. Third, fourth year is the best year. Yep, but that's what they said. They Matthew Stafford's going to be an Indianapolis Colt, but the thought of him potentially going to the Patriots is something that I had no idea about. As a Patriot fan, that has to feel good knowing that somebody who probably has a pretty good feel for what's potentially going to happen in places saying, hey, they're going to be in the quarterback market, just like Chicago's going to yeah. be. Mm -hmm. New England's yeah. going to be in the market big, and they're going to have cap space. Yeah, What are they going to do? Who are they going to go? And are the Patriots dead forever, or are they one missing piece away from maybe becoming relevant again? We're one missing piece away. I mean, Matt Patricia's going to butter himself up, go, go on over to the Ford House, and he's going to get Matt Stafford. I'm sorry to you and your Colts, but Carl Wentz is coming up from Philly or coming over from Philly, no, he's not. wherever the hell PA is, and he's putting on the blue and white. Okay, no, he's not. number eleven is going to look fantastic throwing to Mike Pittman, and Stafford's <laughs> going to look fantastic handing the ball off to Damian Harrison Harris, excuse me, and throwing deep balls to Nikhil Harry and Zubin Mahenti. Wow. <laughs> See you in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> will you move your mic? Or your mic starts right at your chest. Well, it keeps dropping down. I don't know what Tighten it is. It, yeah. it just levels the stupidity way in yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. The more you talk, it just... Do, 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 do. Is that is, is a real feeling, though. In I have that with the just Bill Belichick, and I think that's because the last 20 years has kind of like uh, brainwashed me into thinking that if Bill Belichick does it, it's going to make sense. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, even this year, they paid Cam Newton but next to nothing. He threw five touchdowns. They, Eight, excuse me. Going into last week, he had five touchdowns. Yeah. Six, excuse me. <laughs> exactly. Aaron threw five, I think, in one game or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the, the thought of – that team potentially being like this year, I didn't want to openly pick against them because it was like eh, Belichick, that old guy up in the sky, Ernie mm -hmm. and McDaniels will be able to figure something out over here. And then now if they get a stud quarterback, there's going to be a lot out there. I mean, not yeah. that Darnold is going to get traded from the Jets to the Patriots, but Carson Wentz maybe goes yeah. up there to New England. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a guy that could potentially really no, fit no. in, want to mm -hmm. buy in. Yeah. Thankful. Thanks yeah. for having me up here. Mm -hmm. Last year, you guys <laughs> paid Cam Newton $1 million. You didn't even talk about Stidham again. Even as the season went on, I wasn't playing great, uh, or Cam Newton wasn't playing great, and they didn't even talk about bringing Stidham in to start. Mm -hmm. I mean, there wasn't even a conversation about that. Carson, you down there in Philly, what, you threw a couple picks early? You know, played some terrible football? They were calling for your backup immediately. Yeah. We don't do that up here in New no, England. No, 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 no. Carson Wentz goes to New England. That makes a lot of sense, especially if they're going to be in the quarterback market. Let's get Carson up to New England and see if we really want Carson's, you know, career to have a fairness to it, yeah. you know, because he's been playing in a stadium with a statue of his backup mm -hmm. outside. An ex-coach now. And an ex-coach out there, yeah, who didn't like him or whatever. Mm -hmm. Should we not be wishing for him to go to 
statistically, historically, the best coach of all time, yeah. Bill Belichick. Yeah. Absolutely. Get him up there. Go yeah. and bring Stafford down to the Colts. Yep. Okay, no big deal. Matthew Stafford yeah. comes to the Colts. Uh. Send Carson Wentz up to New England. Mm -hmm. Let Bill kind of give Carson Wentz that feeling that he should have. Mm -hmm. And let's all move forward. I think that's a good idea. And Schefter's saying there's potentially 18 new quarterbacks <laughs> next year. 18 new quarterbacks in different faces or in different places next year. That is insane. Carson Wentz with the Patriots seems like and one that's potentially going to happen. Look, I like Carl Wentz, but there are no Mallards in Massachusetts, and I want him to be happy before anything. And that's why when he comes back to Indianapolis and him and Frank Wright can sit in a church for 15 hours, talk it out, and then they can go ahead and, you know, maybe win the division, maybe beat the Titans, you know. And Wentz can restore glory to Indiana listen, once again. Listen, Carson Wentz is an unbelievable football player. Yeah. That's why I, as a fan, kind of want to see him with Bill Belichick yeah. up there. Yeah, oh, get him up idea. there. Get him up there. Get Carson Wentz up there. Mm -hmm. And although there might not be Mallards, I'm sure there's something for him to fucking hunt oh, up yeah, there. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of game up he, there. He doesn't <laughs> love the pheasant hunting or the oh, quail yeah, hunting. Yeah, yeah. That's all we got. I don't even know what a quail is. <laughs> That's all we got. The, the, the thing about it They're is. overpopulated in this area. <laughs> That's where Carson needs to go. That's where he needs to go. He needs to come right here. He needs to come home to Frank. Come so... back to Bro, this, Frank. This stinks for the Eagles. Okay? This absolutely stinks for the Eagles. Carson Wentz, I guess they're keeping him right. That was the entire move. That's why yeah, they got rid yeah. of Doug because he wanted mm -hmm. to keep Carson. So Jalen's potentially traded. Who's going to trade for Jalen and give him any uh, pick that's worthy? Whenever you you know, okay, Deshaun Watson's out there. Uh, Matthew Stafford's out there. There's going to be, what, they said uh, 10 other quarterbacks that mm -hmm. are going to be potentially on the move. I mean, who – I, there's James. a lot of quarterbacks I, out there. I, yeah. This is going to be insane. Just like last offseason, obviously, there was Tom Brady moving and Phillip Rivers was moving and Drew Brees was potentially retiring. Then he was canceled. Then he was back. Mm. It was just, there was so much movement in the quarterback position. It started to feel a little bit like the NBA, right? The NBA, the stars uh, kind of control the destiny. They control the storyline. And they control who's good and who isn't good. I mean, there are some players that will stay, obviously, in a team that didn't get completely built around them to potentially go get a championship knowing that when it's all said and done they're going to be judged by how many championships they win so it's almost an incentive for the star players to go places where other guys are although they get mocked for it it's like well what do you want us to do if if it's about winning there's an easy way to win and there's an incredibly impossible way to win and it feels like the easy way to win to at least be in a conversation is to kind of join forces in places mm -hmm. and by the way i would assume the nba thinks it's good now the ratings uh the traditional nielsen ratings haven't been great but i think more people are consuming NBA content, they're going to have to figure out how to fucking make money off of that yeah. for sure. But it feels like now with the NBA, the way guys move and everything like that, it's always big names that happen. And the, the trade block is always active. The NFL is slowly becoming that, and mm -hmm. I am here for it. Hey, if we get a chance to talk about shit like oh, now, yeah, Brennan, yes. there's going to be people that hate that. There is people that are going to hate it. Don't want it. What what What's wrong with building your team and staying loyal or mm. whatever? And by the way, I respect what you're talking about. Okay, I only played for one team, retired. I, I, I understand that. But from an outsider talking about a sport that – not an outsider, but somebody that's not in the league. Talking about a sport that got, what, 47 million viewers for mm -hmm. its NFC championship game? Yeah. Like, hey, in the offseason, if a couple of those stars that – I'm not saying in that particular game, although Tom Brady was a free agent, but if some of these people that are getting 50 million people to watch them, 45 million <laughs> people to watch them, potentially want to move a little bit so there's like a little bit of action and maybe mm -hmm. teams getting built and super teams being built and getting a chance to see things that are happening like in Kansas City and stuff like that, I'm here for it. And I think the parody 
the NFL will remain. Although if you look over the last 25 years, there hasn't been much parity if you really look at who's done it and who hasn't. But normally the games are all pretty competitive, which I don't think will ever change in the NFL. But I don't mind guys potentially picking spots on where they want to go. I think it's good for the game, and I think it's only going to happen more often. And the people that are going to lose out are uh, the general managers who yeah. think they put an entire good team together, and then all of a sudden, what, you're not happy? You think, well, come on. What do you mean? Come on, you're fucking – our team stinks. <laughs> Sorry. Our team stinks. Though. Good for the game. Great for us. Great for us. Yeah. For us in particular, as a very selfish uh, uh, statement, great for the show. I, but for you guys as fans, I feel bad. I mean, Bears, Colts, Patriots, Bear Packers, Man. Lions. You guys don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be. <laughs> Here I am, two potential, potential first-round future Hall of Fame quarterbacks on the Steelers roster. Pretty awesome. Who? Ben Rossberg, Dewey Haskins. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah! Look out! I feel okay. bad for you. I forgot Dwayne Haskins came in there. Eight hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. Yeah. By the way, no incentives. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and see how this plays out. Futures deal. Um, I'm excited to see how that guy, incredibly talented, obviously. Urban Meyer commented about how talented he was in all of his years of coaching. By the way, whenever he did his press conference in Jacksonville, what a week or two after he, Dewey was cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, the guy, tremendous talent, interesting decision making. Maybe Tomlin's the guy to turn that whole thing around. Maybe not. They just promoted from within, yeah. what, Matt Canada? Uh-huh. Canada's the new offense coordinator, so they're going to be running the same system, basically. Here we go. Steelers doing the same thing they always do. They always win games, though, because that's what Tomlin does. Well, they get back to the Super Bowl, though. And I saw you lobbying for Matthew Stafford yeah. and Aaron Rodgers yeah. as your quarterback what on the internet that? with two very poorly put-together photoshops. <laughs> but I saw you lobbying. By the way, I'm a big fan of the internet just becoming – very cool with poor Photoshop. Yes. <laughs> it, awesome. is, it has been a run now. There was one I saw somebody put a little square head on top of somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was awesome. The internet is kind of loosening up the the expectations of Photoshop, and I'm here for it, by the way. I had to kind of do a little bit of a bouncing act because, yeah, it would be fucking awesome to have Rodgers or Stafford, but I know that's not going to happen, so I have to pump the fires on the quarterbacks that we do. Yeah, have. Ben Roethlisberger, we'll hold that against you, and who mm-hmm. knows how next year is going to end up with that. Yeah, there's, Pretty there's good, right? Pretty good. Good boy, Tony. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> that's good. People spend hours yeah. doing that Photoshopping. Yeah. It is so much, such a diligent work. Oh, yeah. Meticulous. And I want to let you know, we appreciate what you have done for the internet. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The jersey swaps and the things like that, all the way down to what seems to be like a 16th of a centimeter all yeah. the way around there. And it looks unbelievable. Like, yeah, for instance, this is very hard. But I, I think the internet is, is everybody's trying to get into that game. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're all taking some shortcuts, I think. And, and I don't know if. I don't know if they put as much effort in as you, you graphic designers do. Probably not. But I want to let you know, your work will not go unrecognized, but it does feel like the Photoshop game is about to get flooded with people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are like, all right, I'm done with trying to waste, uh, trying to figure out how to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this over there on uh, the Instagram story. I'm going to screenshot yeah. it afterwards, yeah, and then I'm going to go ahead and move forward. Yeah, I just want to be fuel the jet first to market. That's a game plan there. <laughs> At Viva Lazito, uh, your poll for today, please. Yep. Uh, who will finish with more Super Bowl appearances? Uh, we have Patrick Mahomes last, 27%, and Tom Brady, 73%. I like you said he's last because he's also second, depending on how you win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In a two-horse race, you can be silver medalist mm-hmm. and, and last play, <laughs> which is something to think about because in this particular conversation, both these guys are winners. Oh, yeah. yeah. Both yeah. these guys are winners. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Joining us now is a man who is a Super Bowl champion Ooh. for the Green Bay Packers, ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hall. A.J., yeah. yeah. how you doing, pal? Sorry, guys, it's just me. Well, you know, I was trying to figure out how to address that all day because a lot of people were tweeting, you know, because this weekly tradition that started this season and has been, in my eyes, some of the coolest conversation I've ever been a part of. You know, a lot of people automatically assume as soon as some things start to happen, I start getting tweets, you know, like, hey, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And the season has ended. So therefore, the conversations that we, you know, talked about and chatted about have have kind of come to a conclusion. There was zero expectation by any of us for this man to join us today. So it was like one of those things where I didn't know how to address the whole thing. But ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now, the 2020 NFL MVP, Aaron Ross. Yeah! Dude, I expected to be on here, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, okay, all right. Well, I'm happy you did. All right, because for me, for I assume this happens to AJ, who is a uh, a known friend of yours. Anything that you say or do, obviously, boom, firestorm comes with it. And now, because of this show, I'm the one that sees some tweets from it, and uh, I am so thankful you joined us, man. The mustache looks incredible, and the fact you're wearing that shirt, I am eternally grateful for, pal. Well, yeah, we might as well drop some bombs on this show, you know what I mean? <laughs> better, than those, better than those scrubs out there. <laughs> for some info. Oh, man. I don't know. Do you, let's not lead off. Can we, start, can we start with this sign-spinning thing? What is this sign-spinning conference all about? Okay. I just need to get caught up. Okay, for those that don't know that are listening on Sirius, during the commercial breaks on YouTube, we run videos of my my former life escapades, whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. And in walking the streets of Los Angeles, I was leaving Flight Club, by the way, which is a shoe store there. I bought gold-plated Air Force Ones Ooh. from Flight Club. They were in my bag. I was turning the corner in Los Angeles, and this guy, we had to wait because, you know, the, the, the little uh, white walk person wasn't up there yet. This guy was tossing this thing up in the air. He was, like, punching it, and then he, like, headed it, and then people were just walking right by him or whatever. And I was was obviously very high at the time i was mind blown <laughs> by what this guy was doing so that's that entire situation right there i gave him a couple hundred bucks he deserves a lot more but there's a lot of talented people out there aaron that's a, that's a great story i appreciate that hey no problem i hope we get how have you been you've been okay this had miserable miserable I, I i told a story about we lost the super bowl and it was the most miserable room i've ever been in and a lot of people have talked about this with you now and everything the season ends so abruptly out of nowhere. It is a disheartening thing. And I think that is why I potentially thought you weren't going to join us today because it is a very tough thing, especially whenever you've given so much. How's the day? How have the last couple of days been? You're all right. The mustache looks fantastic. Anything else? <laughs> no, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's tough, man. I think that's, as you guys both know, being former players, just the abruptness of the season, you know, you, you're one day you're competing, the next day it's, up. Oh, everybody's leaving, we're done. And you just know that that group of guys is never going to be together again, that same group. And, and often, you know, it's, it's more than that. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, personnel, coaches, uh, equipment people, trainers, you just never know. Like, we came back this year and, and one of our longtime equipment guys was, was gone, you know, he went in retirement. That's a guy, you know, you spend 15 years with and you hear him, 
you know, every Wednesday, hey, it's ticket day, you know, uh, AJ, that's what I'm talking about, you know, but just such a, a sweet guy that you love, uh, you love the conversations and, and the friendship, and that's just one of uh, many people that, who there's turnover from last year, and it'll be the same with this year, there'll be new guys, uh, in different positions, new people around, and um, that's the hard part, is just knowing how special each group is individually, and then, you know, season ends and it's, and it's over. Hey, were you at all surprised to see the the wild speculation out there after your uh, post game comments when you're like you act like your everybody's uh, future is up in the air? It was awesome, by the way. We we ran for an hour with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't really see a whole lot until maybe yesterday, and then I realized there were some things swirling around. Um, I don't feel like I said anything that I hadn't said before. Um, you know, I said it the first time I talked to the media. Uh, just it was more a, real, a realization, I think, uh, that my ultimately my future is is not necessarily in in my control. And I think that was what just kind of hit me in the moment. I was thinking about you know uh, Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley and um, other guys we have under contract, uh, big dog, you know, guys who I don't know what their future is going to be, and and myself included. Uh, now, obviously, after the season that I had and, um, you know, potentially win an MVP and, you know, we Definitely. obviously made it another good run, I don't think that there's any reason why I wouldn't be back. But, look, I think th- there's there's not many absolutes, as you guys know, in this business. So to to make an absolute statement about something that is, is not an absolute, it's just I, I didn't do it, you know, and I, I guess that's why I went kind of, Kind of nuts. So I think everybody, though, the reason why, and thanks for clarifying that, by the way, I think a lot of us yesterday kind of pieced that together. I mean, that was, you know, but the conversation was obviously huge. But, you know, when everybody, now the reaction to what you just said there is going to be, so Aaron doesn't even know if he's going to be on the Packers team next year because he's like a big dog or like Aaron Jones or something like that. That's going to be the speculation now. It's like, does Aaron feel as if he is the piece the Green Bay Packers get? Like, that's the shit that's going to come from that statement, you know? Well, I don't know. Yeah, and, and frankly, Pat, you know me and Adrian, yep. knows, I don't give a shit about that. I, <laughs> I mean, I could, I could, I couldn't care any less about speculation off of that. Um, I don't think people are used to hearing the truth from athletes. So when they hear the truth, it's so like surprising at times. That's why this show, I think, has been so different than it's because you're hearing somebody who you know has been around a long time who talks to people that he likes and shares like real non-pre-rehearsed, uh, non-robotic comments. Uh, that's all I said after the game. You know, it was like a obviously. In the, you know, I'm 15 minutes from crying in the locker room with, you know, some of my teammates. I, I come and sit down and do this interview, and they ask me questions. I give real answers, like I do on this show. And to me, a reality, not a certainty or an absolute, is that my future is not in my hands. Now, that's really the case for all of us, I think, as players. But you can't, I think, naturally there's times where you let your mind go to maybe well, I'm going to be a Packer for life or I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be like a Tim Duncan or a Jeter or a Kobe and play with one team my entire career. I think naturally you dream about that. I mean, that's kind of like a dream scenario. And I've talked about that for much of my career. I think, you know, when, when they drafted Jordan, it was more just like the, 
reality kicking in going, hey, that's actually never the case. There are no absolutes in this business. And I think it, it's a beautiful thing to sit with and to, and to wrap your head around. And I did. And, and I got to a, a beautiful place about it. It doesn't mean that that's not still a reality. I think that's the only reality, is that there is no absolutes in this business. I just reiterated that after the game, and I get it. Some people are like, well, you just threw 48 touchdowns and probably going to win MVP. Yeah, I understand that. But again, there's no absolutes in this business. So I gave a, a real answer in the moment. Um, and then people obviously, it's a slow week. So oh. there's things that we talk about. Yeah. You're renegotiating your contract right mm-hmm. now? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Hey, you were at the Colts for a while. I had you. I had you at the Colts for a couple of days, like a couple of hours. I mean, yesterday it was pretty cool. Well, you're not helping. <laughs> well, no, no, but I did say I, I would like it to be known that I did say even on Get Up yesterday. I was on Get Up yesterday to talk about it. Obviously, anytime you do anything, they want me to talk about it. And you know, I apologize for taking a little shine there and getting an opportunity to get on there and do the whole thing. But I no, preface. You don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I do, I do, I do, I do. But I did preface the entire thing with, um, you know, I listened to that. I don't think there's anything that was said there. But if we're going to do it, let's fucking put him in the Colts. I mean, if we're going to have the conversation, let's move him to at least the Colts. So I do apologize for what I added in there. But I think we were pretty clear that, that we did not think anything was going to happen, as did much of the world. But it's a good conversation piece. AJ, I'm sorry there, bub. No, you mentioned speaking the truth to the media and, and them not being able to handle Like, what is the truth then for you? Like, right now, you have all the leverage. If you want to go back and say, hey, give me 40 a year, like, do something. Like, do you have 50? I guess, where are you with everything that's going on right now? I know we're, we're only a couple of days removed from, from the loss. 60 a year, maybe. Yeah, 70. Well, you know, I think it's, in general, that's a weird way to look at it. Uh, you know, you start talking about leverage and different things, like, I don't know. The, the only leverage I feel like that I have is the way I play, you know, and that speaks for itself. Like that's why you have it. That's why you have all the leverage because of how you play. You're pretty good. Well, I know, I know, but I, I, I did <laughs> see, you know, thanks to thanks to Tom Fanning, like I did see, you know, some of these comments being made, and I don't want to go through them one by one and talk about, you know, the falsehoods being said out there. But I haven't even had the conversations yet. You know, we, we're look. This is day two. Yesterday was exit meetings. And so I had my meetings with, you know, my quarterback coach and offense coordinator. And you say goodbye to your teammates and stuff. And then you start to clean your locker out. But I'm around this week. So I'm not like, I'm not like jetting out of town and, and, you know, sayonara uh, Green Bay. Like there's conversations to be had. I'm going to have them um, with the right people. But it's the same conversation we have every single year. You know, there's nothing, you know, there's no like big, you know, I'm going to come to the table with, you know, I need this and this and this. Like, look, we have honest conversations about about uh, where we're at every single year. And uh, whether that's with Brian, Matt, Mark, I've had these conversations for years. I think it's part of, like, being a leader uh, on the squad and, and having a pulse of the team and the direction that we're going. And we'll have the same conversations we do every year. And. I always look forward to those conversations. What are you thinking? NFC Championship back-to-back years. I mean, anytime you're a part of the final four teams in the biggest league on earth, 47 million people watched that game uh, legally. I'd assume a lot more people streamed it. Uh, It was the biggest, biggest game. I mean, it's 
47 million fucking people watched you play football the other day, by the way. That is, don't think about it. Don't want you to change anything the way you do, but that is insane. <laughs> but uh, NFC Championship, two years in a row now, you're playing your best football. What are your thoughts going into the offseason? I mean, two days, obviously this is very unfair to you, but I mean, we're kind of in that situation now. What are your thoughts for next year? How do you, with the, the moving pieces, and you talked about even behind the scenes and everything like that. What are your thoughts on the state of the Packers and how we get to the Super Bowl? Hey, how we get to the Super Bowl next year and take that next step? It's impossible to get to the NFC Championship back-to-back years. It is very difficult to do that. Nobody really talks about it. But what, what, what do we take to the next step, Aaron? How are we getting to the So Super now Bowl? it's a we. Yesterday you trade me to the Colts, and today it's a how do we get Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, this is hey. Ty Schmidt over here asking a good Whoa, whoa, whoa. You trade me to the Colts. No. No, no, no. You go to the Colts. We too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's still we. You're getting it all wrong, pal, okay? But, oh, okay, okay. So but, you're on team, Aaron, team 12. You're yeah. not, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I think okay. very clear, by the way. This year, I think it's been pretty clear. But what is the thought going into next season, you think? Look, I think the first thing is to get away. You got to get away from it. And I was talking with uh, with uh, Luke yesterday, Getsy, and, you know, he just – you realize just what a grind it is. And I think it's always important to just recharge. And and that's why, you know, after the game and, you know, the first few days when it's still raw uh, and there's so many emotions tied up, the last thing you want to do is to make, like, some grandiose statements about <laughs> next year, the year, the future, whatever it might be, just because there's, there's just a lot of emotion tied up. There's a lot of just sadness about the abrupt ending and everything. And, uh, that usually gets replaced with, uh, I think, a lot of pride and, and uh, appreciation for the year and the ups and downs and what you accomplished. And, and that'll kick in at some point. Uh, it hasn't really kicked in yet, but at some point <laughs> that'll kick in. But I think it's important to really get away and and just try and recharge mentally because it just it takes a lot to kind of to go through the grind and to get and to get through it. I think you know from an overall health standpoint. This this was a great year for me. Um, the low number of sacks. Um, you know, it was the first time in my career, I believe, uh, that I went through without missing a practice and without being on the injury list uh, once. So mm-hmm. to be 37 to you know start every game to not have any injuries was um, was new and fun and exciting and and makes you feel like you can play four or five more years. I mean, and and not think twice about it. So that's a really good feeling for sure. Um, Obviously the way that uh, I play, that we played on offense gives you a lot of hope and a lot of confidence. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens with, with every team around the league. If the the salary cap does indeed come down to 175, it's going to put a strain on a lot of players who are making uh, kind of good money, you know, not even great money, but just kind of good money. Um, it's going to make teams uh, have some really tough decisions. Have you watched the film on the game yet? Do you, will you watch no. the film? Yeah, I'll watch it. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, though. When will that be? Will that be sometime down the road, or will it be in the near future? Yeah, I think like uh, 4.20 on Saturday, probably, p.m. <laughs> Central Time. Really get in there, you know, so you yeah. can put yourself yeah, back in. There. Really good, yeah. <laughs> hey, you got your ass kicked though. You got hit a lot, dude. I was worried about you out there. A lot of hits. Yeah, there were a few. There were a few more. They got a good defense, man. They got a really good defense. They got a good front. They got a good scheme. They got good players at every level. Um, they're a really good team. Ty. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry, AJ. 
Oh, no, I just want to go go back to the game quickly. How did you guys feel going in with your plan and everything? I was impressed by the Bucks D, not only the pressure they could get on, but I know you guys ran a similar little route with Devontae uh, down on the red zone. They had it covered. They, they passed things off. Like I guess from how, what your plan was going in to how you executed it, how do you think you did? Yeah, I thought the plan was good. Uh, the execution, um, it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good. I thought you know we were we were fairly efficient. What hurt us obviously was uh, the turnovers. Both of them they turned into touchdowns. The one right at the end of the half, um, you know, which was really disappointing. And then obviously the one coming out of the second half, um, which you know put us in a big hole. And we fought back and and had a chance to you know had two drives in the fourth quarter there after interceptions and ended. You know, just missed a couple of plays and had two, three and outs, and that kind of put us in a difficult situation. But I felt the execution was good, you know, especially a defense like that, which has been uh, pretty formidable for most of the season. Um, I thought they, uh, you know, didn't really bring as much zero pressure. Their their whole goal was bringing edge pressure. Uh, they brought the you know nickel off the slot a bunch. They brought the safety or corner to the tight end side a, a good amount. And then when they had to, they played a lot of two man, kind of in the huh. in the fourth quarter, um, uh, which uh, was a good adjustment. We had some opportunities and just kind of missed on a few plays. Um, the conversation about the game outside—I know you haven't heard much of it, even though a lot of it was about you—is the fourth and goal situation where they kicked the field goal, and you had to talk about it afterwards. Obviously, in that same press conference where you mentioned the emotions you had previously going into there, and you did the whole thing. You you saw why Matt did what he did, but you weren't a part of that decision. Have you seen the conversation that revolves around it about how you know, like, hey, Tom Brady's on the other side. The guy has done that a lot in this situation, and have you and Matt talked about it? And whenever Matt makes a decision like that, is there ever a thought in your eyes to be like, no, no, keep it off? Because a lot of people want that. And by the way, if you do that and it doesn't work, you're the worst human of all time the next day. So, I mean, that is, but that whole process, have you and Matt talked about it? Because there's a lot of speculation outside about how you should feel. And, and a lot of people think, like, yo, MVP, give the guy the damn ball with eight yards. Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult question because uh, as a critic, you set yourself up for a win win situation. Uh, you know, whatever happens, uh, you know, you can basically say, "Hey, if you know, I if if we say no, no, we're going for it and don't get it, uh, and then we stop them after that, it's a terrible decision." If you know, we kick the field goal, we stop them, they don't call the penalty on third down, we get the ball back, we only score a touchdown and win by one or three. What an amazing decision that was! What a gutsy call! If we you know hit the touchdown and get the two point conversion. You know, this it's the what if game is so so you know easily set up again for critics to to write the slant whatever they want to write. Um, look, you know, in that situation, first and goal on the on the eight, I thought it was four down territory. Um, on fourth down, when the guys were on the field for field goal, uh, there's five six guys on the field. There's not a whole lot to do there unless you call timeout. So you know, we just got to trust we're gonna uh, we're gonna stop them. You know, I, I understand the, the the thought that if you don't get it there, you know they're backed up, and either way, you got to score a touchdown. So the two point conversion becomes, you know, either a part of it or not. If you, you know, if we go four and forth, throwing a completion, you know, it's them first and ten on the eight yard line. If we have, if, either way, we got to stop them, right? You know, if you kick the field goal, if you stop them, they punt, we might get the ball at the fifty. So we have a. 50-yard field to go score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion. So, like, I understand all the thought processes and those angles. Um, 
you know, as far as what I wanted, didn't really matter at that point because I saw these guys run on the field and uh, unless I wanted to call timeout, I think. Uh, hey, that would have been awesome, yeah. <laughs> Aaron. That would have been awesome. You turn up? No. How much time? No, no, no. That would have been the, the dramatic. Forty-seven million people watching that. By the way, <laughs> it would have been awesome. The what if game, though, and if you score there and tie it up with two minutes left, what if they go down? I mean, there's you're 100 percent right, but there's a lot of thought behind. You know, it's Aaron freaking Rodgers, dude. Give the guy the ball. Ty, mm-hmm. what do you got? Aaron, I don't have a question, but I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't say in a really shitty year, uh, I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of Packers fans. Thank you for you know giving us something to look forward to, not only with coming on this show every week, but watching you play every Sunday. I mean, it was a, you know, it didn't end how we wanted to, but I'll look back on this season very fondly for the uh, the rest of my life. So appreciate it. Ah, oh, yeah. ah. ah, boy. Woo. Just count on Ty to always, you know, bring it back home, man. I <laughs> Ty, and, and I and I echo the sentiment right back. This has been, uh, with all due respect to, he can say anything. Uh, my weekly media responsibilities. This has been the best, uh, uh, the best uh, media stuff I, I get to do every week, and I, I just really look forward to the conversations, and it's uh, it's really meant a lot to me. Pat, you and the boys, age, puffing on your cigar. I think it's been fun to see, you know, for people to see not just uh, sides of my personality, but uh, to hear AJ Hawk talk once in a while. And and Pat, you know, you and the boys do such a great job. And and I meant what I said a long time ago about you guys being such a powerhouse uh, in the sports media environment and i'm just really happy to be associated with you guys no, thank you aaron that was all a bunch of bullshit know that we are very thankful you did this okay you did us a massive favor so we appreciate the hell out of you doing that and the conversations have always been riveting uh and i don't want to talk about the game on sunday too much what i would like to talk about have you seen ted lasso yet like that would be the perfect <laughs> thing right now i think that would be the perfect thing for you right now i did i saw a preview no 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 because you you watch the preview and go this is going to stink then you watch the first episode and you're like wait does this stink then you get to the second episode you're like there's no reason this is as good as it is and then i think you'll be i think you'll be all in i think you'll be all in on it well now is the time so now is the time to uh to figure out what shows what shows to watch a lot of people have been saying queen's gambit though so i'm not sure if that's a direction I should go, I, yes. I guess there's a lot more chess nerds after this show, so yeah. that's probably a good thing. Well, the thing that happens while you're in your season, you know, like you're uh, hibernating basically away while playing football and the world's doing a bunch of other things. These things come into our lives. We watch them. For instance, I watch Queen's Gambit, and I'm a big-time checkers guy. Always mm-hmm. have been. Don't know why we're playing long-term. Let's just jump over whoever fucks in front of us, and let's get kinged as quick as possible. Okay, I've always been a checkers guy. never understood it. I watch Queen's Gambit. Whew, I bought a, I bought a, a board. I bought some some real life size uh, things that we could put in the office. And I'll tell you what, that lasted about three four days. I'm fucking done with chess now. But I'm, you'll you'll probably go through the same situation. It's unbelievable. That is also very very good. Yeah. I already have a chess a couple chess boards. So. Oh, you know, close Sicilian dude. Wait till I fucking get the pawns out there to battle Ooh. it out. That's what I thought. 
That's what I thought. What is? <laughs> I, yeah, I want to see you and Age go at it in chess. That'd be a good. <laughs> be a quick game. I just knock over my guy. Fucking, <laughs> like I'm done with it. Uh, what is the off season? You travel normally, right? You're a big time travel guy. I don't know if you can do that this year. Go back to uh, some house you bought that has been all over the market because you in LA because you got a house. <laughs> you got a house out there that's been a part of the conversation. What is the plans for you now? Long season, grind of a season. You got to accept an award via Zoom, I assume, here in a couple, in a week or so. I mean, what is this? What is the off season? look like well i'm, I'm gonna extend an invite to uh to ty and his future bride to come out maybe to have a nice little weekend at the hoss so much trying to plan a wedding for through covid it's just <laughs> got to be got to be crazy pat you lucked out you got in just in time i, I agree i agree um uh but no i'd like to like to travel a little bit. I have no idea what the, you know, what the rules and regulations are going to be. So it might just be a more sedentary off season again. But I'll definitely take some time off, uh, like on the lifting. Not saying I won't get in the power lift and do some squats. <laughs> <laughs> again, uh, that's an unpaid uh, free advertising there. Um, yeah, you know that's an lift. Iowa company. Yeah. You know that's an Iowa company. Yeah, I did not know and, that. And Iron Grip. How do you say Iron Grip? Iron Grip. Yep, you got yep. it. <laughs> But uh, I'll definitely take some time to to relax and just kind of recharge the old body, and then uh, and then get back into it. You know, as uh, as soon as I'm ready. And there's some events that are fun to. I don't know, again. I don't know what's going to happen this year. Is like, is the Kentucky Derby going to be on? Is uh, Tahoe going to be on? There's some of these things that are fun. I mean, they already canceled Pebble Beach, the pro am. Oh damn! Uh, in California, but then they just reopened outdoor dining. So I don't know if that's going to be back on. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs, but. Uh, but uh, I just know that it's it's going to be a good recharge, and uh, and we'll start thinking about the next season. Hey, when will you throw a football again? Maybe end of July. <laughs> 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 no, there's there's some NFL guys out west that uh, once everything winds up, uh, I'm sure I'll see a few of those guys, and and I'll that'll definitely take about six weeks at least and not throw. You need somebody to run some routes out there? You know what I mean? You need somebody to run some routes? I'll put some gloves on out there. Ooh. OBJ, if you need it. I don't know. How's that knee doing, bro? True. I'll do a stationary. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, 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 very true. Um, we, have to, we have to wrap up the season uh, for a couple things. There's a couple outstanding uh, things I've, I've realized in the minutes in the notes section. You watch film from 2010 before this season. You saw something in film. You took it to practice. That next week in practice, it was training camp, and we got pictures of you just sending them out to everybody. How you doing? Deep ball. Keep it moving. How you doing? Bingo. There's another one. And that kind of led to this magical run that was this year for you, uh, MVP season. What did you see in film? Has it already been discussed and you did it under uh, like a, a little bit of a guise of, of, of just regular talk? What was in that film that you saw? Well, I mean, I've, I've loosely mentioned a lot of it over the, over the year. But the key that I saw was just the rhythm in my hitch. And I was realizing the thing that I was working on back then so much was, was the, uh, the sinking into the hitch at the top of my drop. And that was one area that I think was lacking based on my injury and some of the adjustments I had to make fundamentally to to deal with a knee and a leg that just wasn't as strong as it used to be. And that's part of the reason why I really got back into squatting was because I wanted to build that thing up so I could put a ton of 
weight and pressure into that knee and those legs because the deeper I was sinking into my hitches, the more on time I was throwing the ball. And I really just saw how much of an emphasis I was doing that in 2010, 2009, 2011. And what that was allowing me to do was I was throwing the ball on time. And all these games I was watching, I was, my timing was very, very good. I mean, I was literally the entire route tree and concept concept concepts, I was able to perfectly hitch to them. And that's why I felt like I was so accurate. So from that point forward, I literally, you know, watched a few of those things and, and the next day went out and, and worked on them and things just started clicking. And it was kind of a daily like reset for me to just really feel into those feelings that I hadn't had. And I started realizing with confidence that the leg strength that I had 10 years ago was, was back. And again, a lot of it is due to the work that I did in the off season with, with Tommy and with Ryan, and then with our guys in Green Bay, really getting under a squat bar, and then doing a lot of single leg, um, proprioception stuff, balance stuff. Oh, of course. And I think all that stuff really just helped me to get that balance and rhythm back in the drop. And because of that, I played on time. The ball came out, and when the ball comes out on time, you know. I, I've always been very accurate. This year, you know, I set a, a personal, um, you know, completion percentage record. Woo! Uh, oh, yeah. Woo! And a lot of it, again, I think is due to this little things I picked up on film and then all the all the work I did, uh, you know, on my body. What are you referring to? Just so we know. So you, hey, hey, green eye, hey, hey. Boom, wherever you get to your, because you're known for extending place. Like, that's like, the the one thing is like, oh, when, when Aaron extends plays is when it gets really dangerous, especially with Devontae and everything like that. You're saying the on-time routine of the play kind of led to everything else. It kind of helped you out there? I'm talking about fundamentally at the top of your drop. There's different quarterbacks have different ways of, of uh, getting the ball out. For me, I've always tried to use the back of my drop uh, to get momentum into throws, but it's also a timing mechanism because there's different types of hitches you can take. You can take short, quick ones. You can dig into it and, and have a longer one. And each fraction of a second allows your receiver to get to a spot where the ball can be thrown on time. And that's what I realized that I did really well in the, in the old film and wasn't doing as well in some of the newer stuff just because I didn't have that confidence and that trust that I could sink into my knee as, one, as much as I wanted to. And, uh, I just trusted it. I started trusting it again because I had done the work and I had been doing all these things to kind of build it back up, but still hadn't maybe transferred the trust onto the field and, and done, done the reps. And then once I did, things just started to really fall into place and the timing and the, ba- and the balance, especially really returned. And, and the accuracy kind of fell in line. Let's keep that for next year. Let's keep that one in. <laughs> keep doing those. Keep doing your squats. But uh, so sure. you said can can a lot at the at the line of scrimmage this past game, or got picked up. It seems like more than others. I know uh, Dane Orshlovsky tweeted something about what he thought you were doing. Are you allowed to <laughs> tell us what that means exactly? I just got a text from Dan, by the way. Dan Orshlovsky. Yeah. Dane. Dane. That's Dane. TV. That's yeah. TV. Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, he's a big TV guy now, huh? He's awesome. He is absolutely come a awesome. long way from UConn, you know, in that Elite Eleven camp where I met him. I'm a long, long way. <laughs> I'm happy for him. He does a good job, and he actually I agree. 
He brings some style to it, you know. Brings some style to it. I get some good outfits. Maybe an ascot might might be bala C wood, huh? So you're not going to tell us what can can means? Can is much like alert in other teams' offenses. You know, it can mean uh, adjustments to plays, and it also is used as a dummy. I'd say, you know, that's that's what you have to do in the league now. Is you have to have dummy stuff. So there's dummy cans and dummy alerts. I'm sure. Um, we used to do a lot of. We used to call them alarms, uh, but somebody has a word that that can get you from run to pass or run to run or pass to run, and those are you know ways of doing those things. Scary ninja. Let's talk about Scary it. Scary ninja. Yep. What is it? I'm not telling that one. I like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nobody says it. This thing must be very important. Scary Ninja. It must be very, very important. Have you ever seen a Scary Ninja that wasn't important? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Operation Condor with Jackie Chan? Probably. I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, I was a Jackie Chan guy. Whenever they would air, you know, after the credits, mm-hmm. whenever you'd see how... That's a badass dude there. I bet you he's squatting a lot, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's best movie, 3, 2, 1, go. Rush Hour. Which one? All of them. Just the entire thing. Who's your favorite actor of all time? Steven Seagal. Oh, yes. Wow. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Keanu Reeves. Ooh. Hey, what's this one where he just kills everybody? John Wick. John Wick. What a badass movie that is, huh? Yeah, he's amazing. I think he's one of the best character actors of all time. Shane Falco did not fuck around. Did you take anything from his game into yours? <laughs> yeah, just the flow. You saw me growing the hair out. Yeah. You were mocked on the internet. I don't know if you saw it because it was perfectly right down the middle when you took the helmet off. Are you going to continue to grow that thing or what? I think at some point it's going to start really laying back on its own and the middle part's going to go away. That's what the, that's what the hope is. They get a Although as a kid, I, like I said it before, I think on the show, I, I always wanted the middle part and the undercut. I used to have that, too, with my blonde hair. Oh, my God, we all had it. It was all awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. Come on. Bleach tips? Oh, yeah. No, I bleached the whole thing, but then if you're not as, you know, up to date with it, it becomes the tips. And everybody's like, oh, you got bleached tips. It was like, whoa. It was the whole fucking thing, but I got a little lazy. Can we get off my ass? You know what I mean? <laughs> you used to talk like that to your friends? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, yeah, I actually would. Were you How bo- old were you when you drank your first Iron City? Man, that's a teenager thing, you know, very early teenager in Pittsburgh. It is so bad. I love the fact that you know what it is, but it is god-awful, that beer. I mean, I appreciate what they represent for the city, you know, Iron City. We And they got a mango now, I guess, oh, yeah. that I assume oh, that is very good from what I've been told. But, yeah, there was plenty of evenings with Iron City light. Light. Oh, yeah. Come on. Not home. the heavy. Not the heavy one. What you guys do in Northern California? Did you guys just you guys just smoke that dope whenever you were in high school? Is that all you guys did? Is that all you guys did? Forties, forties, bro. Really? Forties were big in the in the early two thousands. Yeah. You know, we learned a lot about where you were from because Tom's from here. You're from here. <laughs> I didn't know you were that inland. I didn't know that you were inland up there in Northern Cal. Yeah, it's the valley, bro. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, go ahead. I, hey, why is uh, I'm, I'm curious why Keanu is your favorite guy? Because like the uh, the shots we see on the internet, him in the subway smoking heaters and just being a normal human. I mean, that's part of it. I think if you watch a movie like uh, Street Kings Ooh. or Forty Seven Ronin, oh yeah, 
or I mean, I don't know. Pick a movie that he's been in. You're going to see some unbelievable acting. Speed. And I think that's oh, speed. the bus. Oh. The bus. That goddamn bus. They could not slow that thing down. And then, you know, for him, uh, what's the where he's a cop in the surfing movie? John point, point, point break. Johnny Utah. Point break. Thank you. Point break. He said John Wick. <laughs> well, Johnny Utah's in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about uh, Philippi? You don't. That's you're not. Probably. Oh, Ryan Philippi. That, no that Philippi. Let's, let's close up some loose ends on the season here. <laughs> How about Ryan Philippi? <laughs> yeah. What about him? Hey, you guys had that little, you know, skirmish, and then it, it carried over onto the internet. Like, are you a fan of him still? What skirmish do we have? <laughs> AJ, for being Rain Man, your memory is not very good when it comes to things like this. I think this is made up. That's why. <laughs> Ryan Philippi alleged the same thing, by the way. I would like to let that mm-hmm. be known. Ryan Philippi did say that this was all made up. What, what rumor did you make up, Age? I didn't make up any rumor. I mentioned on the show a while back how you oh, okay. Up, you know, and then he responded while the show was still happening. You mentioned what? Oh, uh, that he punked you. AJ said that he punked you out at a uh, at a at, an, at a celebrity event at one of those high those big events you guys have. Oh yeah, was that when I was talking about the guy who big time me at Tahoe and you said it's Ryan Phillippe? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that was exactly what it was because we were guessing the entire roster from that golf mm-hmm. that particular year. That was on the putting green, right? Somebody stood you up. Yeah, I would say a little more than stood me up, but let's move on. <laughs> There's no way I can move on. Can't move on. Can't move on. What hey, happened? For the, do it for the brand. Okay, I'll move on. Great shirt. Thank you for wearing that, by the way. Very nice of you. Um, Aaron, you're the best, dude. Have you got your MVP speech uh, already written? I do. Will you shoot that from the hip, or will that be? Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm going to thank Ty. I don't know if I can have enough time to get to the- Yeah. Woo! It should be I'll early, by the way. Ty a shout out uh, if I win. Um, and then maybe Laura for dealing with AJ all the time (laughs) and my favorite hot kid uh, besides the other three um, he knows who he is (laughs) you started an absolute war I bet in that hawk house there's three boys so you know just keep them guessing Will you make it like inspiring? You know, because I always I'm always intrigued by watching these award shows when people win awards. You know, and especially this yeah, year. I could take a cue from some of my favorite Hollywood people and <laughs> just make it my own personal rant. You know, <laughs> you know, I won the MVP playing football, but this isn't about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me fucking tell you about. <laughs> that's what those award things become. Sometimes it's like, all right, I'm excited to see how they deliver here. Uh, I'm excited to see their message. Nano robots. <laughs> hey, have you studied uh, Joaquin Phoenix and his acceptance speech a couple years back to see what you may do? Those cows. Uh-huh. That milk. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I'm worried because I was watching South Park one time, and one of my favorite episodes is about uh, smug. And it's people at South Park start buying hybrid cars and they get very smug and they say good for you with their eyes closed all the time. And there's a big disaster coming because the smug from South Park and the it's like smog, but it's called smug, right? Is interacting with the smug from George Clooney's acceptance speech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of atomic bomb. So I'm going to try and avoid uh, too much smug coming off. That's very nice of you. 
Hey, yeah. I think I've realized this year with the conversations, you do seem to be a rather normal human, which is very interesting, right? I assume for a lot of people to hear. AJ said, no, you are not a normal human. But how, how, how do you, I don't know. Because all the stories about you before this year, to be honest, a lot of people, the way they believed is you were the smug king almost is what mm -hmm. the thing about it. And then getting a chance to chat with you, it's like, well, that's not the case at all. How, is that like something you have to focus on? I assume it gets hard whenever you're hanging out with, you know, Scott Stapp is hanging Aaron Rodgers jerseys up in his goddamn office. That has to be pretty weird. Well, look, I think that's an interesting, interesting thing to, to talk about. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, people have said things about me, and it's been the same few people, and that's been kind of the prevailing story or thing that's reflected on. Um, I think for me, you know, I talk a lot about the work I did on myself. Uh, it was nice, and it wasn't intentional. Like, I didn't sign on the show to have, like, and you guys know, we've talked about this yeah. off, off air, but there wasn't like some agenda doing this. It was like fucking talk to Pat and AJ every week. Yeah. It sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it has been, by the way. It sounds amazing. But what it's allowed me to do is I think silence all the douchebags out there who were, you know, talking for me and, and either uh, making themselves more relevant by using my name or you know, running with stories that were not really based in any type of fact. Um, and look, I've grown as a person. Uh, you know, I've said things and done things that I wish I'd handle a little better. But this was a great uh, natural, authentic, like, whatever, whether it was 15 minutes of the stadium or 45 minutes, to just, like, bullshit and have a conversation, you know. And this is, if you, you know, if you're a friend of mine, if you know me, I think this is about as normal as interaction you're going to see from me. It's not a lot of BS. You're not going to hear cliches and garbage. I'm going to, you know, shoot from the hip mostly. Tell you as much as I feel comfortable telling. I feel like I've been as honest as I could be. I've told you guys a lot of fun stuff. It's fun for me because then I don't have to, like, maybe rehash it on a Wednesday or people get to see a different side of you that maybe they didn't even know was there or didn't think was there. And it's been it's been fun for me. I really have. I've appreciated Every single week we've done these. Um, and like I said, the best part is there was no agenda. There was no, like, there was no plan. I mean, even us, like, we didn't know we were going to go, like, 10 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour. <laughs> like, we just started fucking talking, right? And then this this came out, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Well, I want to let you know, we appreciate the hell, and I'm talking about not just us and me and the show, but also I think everybody that's watched. We appreciate you for allowing yourself to put your guard down and chat with us and allow a lot of people to learn about you. This year has been very cool. Ty said he'll remember it forever. I think a lot of us will because of just how awesome it's been to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Now, you get a chance to go rest that thing. Hopefully your mustache will continue to grow because it's glorious. And uh, I appreciate you, MVP. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, man. Yeah. Love you, 12. Oh. He didn't hear it. He didn't hear it. It's all right. No. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. He, he did not hear it. He did not hear he it. Invited him to the boot. That was unbelievable. I want. I want to let everybody know how that happened. Yeah, he did. Actually, yeah. you're right. Yeah. He yeah. does love you. <laughs> Very much so. One fifty nine Eastern Standard Time. I get a text from Aaron. Yo, and I'm walking back to my office there, and I go, "You in?" Question mark. He goes in, and then. 
LFG. And then I respond, let's go. Then I walk in here, we're live. So whenever I was introducing that whole thing, I didn't, I don't, AJ, I don't even think you knew, did you at that point? I don't, you were not, were you uh, sure? I didn't know. Some people in here didn't even know. Nope. It was a very, I mean, what a dude. Yeah. Obviously, he does answer the bell whenever something bad happens. Mm -hmm. That's what Aaron is. That's what we've learned he is, obviously. I think the world has learned this year. And I've been very grateful. I'm very thankful he popped in here. We had a lot of fucking people watching. I assume a lot of people listening. And uh, I'm very thankful for that guy. Very, very thankful for that guy. I'm sure it felt good, too, for him to, to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the whole situation. It's still so fresh, so raw. Like he said, the game just ended, and you have to come out here and talk for 45 minutes about it it's got to be kind of tough to kind of process i guess all of that everything that went into that all the emotion and the way we're feeling about how he should feel towards the floor with the fourth and goal there he's been around the nfl long enough i'd assume where he's like there's a lot more situations we could talk about where if we would have done mm -hmm. this and this and this that's just kind of how the game is and the nfl is a hindsight business you run a fake and it works you're a genius you run a fake and it fails you're the dumbest coach of all time fire him. you know what i mean yeah. there's just a lot of different situations that can happen i still am firmly in the camp i would like to let everybody know even after what aaron said in that whole thing i am firmly in the camp Give the guy the fucking ball, put, okay? Put the ball in Seems 12. Like you give him the goddamn ball. We got eight yards, okay? This is the biggest play. Take a timeout. Do what you got to do. Let's get the best play we got. We got the MVP here. Let's go ahead and do this thing. I mean, it seems like Aaron's in that camp, too. It did feel like he understands mm -hmm. that that is a potential idea. <laughs> he explained all that. <laughs> Most guys have tried a lot of different ways to, you know, try to last a little bit longer yeah. when making love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Think about your baseball team. That's a boring sport. That'll turn me off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Should. Maybe you start listing off cities and states. Maybe you start doing the alphabet backwards. Whatever you end up doing, you need to not do it anymore. Knock it off. Not if it's going to work. Uh-uh. Okay? Before the time you get to the, the shortstop, it's already happened. Good. All right? That's right. What you need is a real tag team partner whenever you're going in there. And our friends at Roman created just that with Roman Swipes. Roman Swipes are a swipe that comes in a discreet, unmarked package uh, that shows up at your door. Then it's in a tiny little packet that you put in your pocket, small enough to fit in your wallet. Then right before it's time to make some love, right before it is time to go ahead and try to procreate, mm -hmm. maybe. Whenever it's time to go and put on a show, uh, you go ahead, and, go ahead and rub the swipe on. Uh, it'll, it'll dry. It'll not transfer to your partner at all Ooh. and then you just have time of your life yeah get roman.com forward slash pat mcafee jesus that's get roman.com forward slash pat mcafee no mm -hmm. spaces uh and you can get your first month of swipes for just five dollars when you choose a monthly plan all right shout out to roman shout out to you shout out to get roman.com forward slash pat mcafee we're being joined now by a man who is a former Dayton Flyer quarterback, now the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Coach Brandon State. Yeah! 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 Coach, boy, Coach. How you doing? Appreciate you. Oh, Flyer Pride. <laughs> I love the I love the Flyer Pride shout out. Hey, Dayton. Dayton's like ninety minutes from here. It's not that far. It's over there, you know, West Ohio. I, I respect the fact you went over there. I think you won sixteen and no. Five. 16 and five as a quarterback? 16 and five. Yep. We had a, we had a good run. Wow. <laughs> hey, that, that's not bad. I remember, I remember all five losses way too well. So, What type of offense was it? 
You know, Pat, it was kind of like pre-spread, like right, right before like everything went to the shotgun and, and everyone started spreading it out. We were more of a play action, you know, option type team, but more from quarterback under. So, you know, we were we were good, though. We, we had a good offense, that's for sure. So you were like an old school pro style quarterback out there. Yeah, I wish I wish we, you know the, the the way the people play now would have suited my game a lot better. You oh, know? you could sling that thing. I, I was more of a point guard, you know. I didn't have like I was pretty medium arm strength, Pat. You know, pretty medium, but you know, heady, tough. You know? <laughs> All the things that you say when you're not like that talented, you know. So uh, a lot of it, you know, had to had to play with a lot of intangibles. Okay, when did you know you're going to be a coach? While you're playing, immediately following it, did a coach at Dayton say, "Hey, you should get into the coaching game"? Because it, what, 15 years later, here now, you're the head coach of an NFL team. How do you go from court? Did somebody say you should do this, or did you always kind of because you're a heady, hardworking, <laughs> lunch pail, first one in, last one out, coach's son, high motor? When did you realize, like, okay, I should probably get into the coaching game? Well, well, Pat, it really started. You know, seven year old kid wanted to be like my dad. Got up early with him drinking coffee, reading the sports page, you know, as a young guy, you know, and watching my dad kind of, he was a coach. My mom was a teacher and, you know, that's really where it began for me, you know, and, and my parents are my heroes and, you know, that's just the truth. You know, I was one of those kids that was a gym rat that always wanted to be around the game. And, you know, I felt like, you know, being a coach was going to be the route that, that fit me best, you know, and I fell in the love. I fell in love with that part of the game as a young kid. It, you know, was that other side to competition, you know, and I got to see it up close with my parents. And, you know, uh, so I think back then I was off to a good start and, you know, I've uh, been working every day since to, to be as good as I could be. Coach's son, Jim Rat, <laughs> high motor. I oh, mean, yeah. let's go, Coach. <laughs> you go. Hey. Yeah, you were uh, you were coaching in you coach in the SEC. I think you coach in college a bit. Uh, then you you obviously move into the NFL ranks. Was the NFL where you wanted to go? Because you know there's college coaches that live in the college world, and obviously we're seeing it now with a lot of college coaches trying to make the jump to the NFL. Urban Meyer being the most recent. Who knows how that'll go? But how did you see the football in college? And then you were like, you know what? I think I should make the jump to the NFL. How how did that whole thing? How'd that process happen? Yeah, Pat, I've always wanted to coach in the NFL like you know the way my brothers and I were raised is to, to go where the competition is you know and, and we always thought you know the NFL for me you know that's where the best players in the world are so that's always been a dream of mine and I knew you know there's obviously a process to get there and I knew you know that uh, we were going to have to really work at it because you know you know how challenging it is you know that's what makes the NFL so special is very few people are in it so uh, you know I've just been working at my game you know for a long time but when I got into coaching you know being able to have that kind of double education where you're coaching in college but you're kind of getting ready you know hopefully to you know have a chance to compete for a job in the NFL and so um, that you know my college journey was really trying to you know engineer you know being ready for the NFL so uh, always been a dream of mine to be right where I'm at. Everybody has come out uh, by the way that's awesome but everybody has come out that has played for you and said hey this guy great at connecting with his players. This guy can get a message across. And in the NFL, everybody knows it's about like, can you communicate with grown men? You know, like, can you communicate with them? Can you get them to rally? Can you get them to believe in something? Are you just a very transparent guy? Or are you, uh, like, is, what is your method you think of reaching your players as much as possible? 
Yeah, Pat, I think, as you know, like one of, one of the guys that I think coached you, Tom McMahon, you know, he, he's told me a bunch of Pat McAfee. <laughs> and, and so uh, we can, you know, but, you know, it, the reason why you're laughing there is because your relationship with him, you know, and I think, you know, something I learned at a young age from my parents is uh, you got to listen to people um, and learn about them uh, if you're going to be able to teach or lead them, you know. Uh, it just can't be you talking at somebody. You got to go with someone. And the only way you're going to do that is if you're invested in, in them and you know one another. And, you know, I've been fortunate to coach a lot of big names that a lot of people know about, you know, Ramsey, A.D., Khalil, Vaughn, Bradley Chubb. You know, and I think at the hallmark of all those great players was a big time relationship, you know, and I think, you know, and then there's other names um, of, of a bunch of guys that you that no one's, you know, that no one knows about that has allowed me to get to this position right now. And so, you know, relationships are the big part of, you know, what we're going to build here with the Chargers. And once you get that right, then you get to the competition. Okay, so you got a guy. You got a dude at quarterback. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the Chargers job being maybe the most desired job of this offseason when there was like seven or eight positions that are open because you have a guy. Everybody's waiting and trying to find a guy. Justin Herbert, sixth overall pick last year, had a season where everybody was like, this guy's a guy. Have you talked to him yet? Uh, Did you have to come in whenever you were interviewing for the job about like your ideas for Justin Herbert and how you like, did you have to do any of that during the whole process and how is the relationship started with justin herbert yeah pat a, a whole bunch of that you know i think a whole bunch of that went into the to the interview process you know is your vision for you know not only justin but how are you going to play on offense and i think so much of what happens now pat is you like subcontract the side of the ball and it's not aligned with the vision of the team and and so you know me being a former quarterback and you know really my entire defensive background being able to see the game through the lens of the quarterback uh, it's just been so instrumental in my own, you know, journey as a G- defensive coach. But, you know, we want to uniquely shape our offense around Justin Herbert because he is unlike any other quarterback. And I think that when you study the great quarterbacks in the history of the game, you know, they've had systems that have been built for them, you know, and I think that that's what we're going to try and do with him. As you guys know, he's unique. I mean, this guy's six six. He can throw it. Mobility, um, you know, s- super sharp. I mean, mentally uh, got a great head on his shoulders. Uh, command of his teammates and you know talking to the guys over the you know this last week I mean just the presence that he already has within his team which is so hard to create as a rookie uh, just all that good stuff it's been amazing I talked to Justin you know when I got hired on my way back you know to Thousand Oaks um, I got to you know connect with him on the phone and then you know on the way down to the press conference my wife Amy and I FaceTimed him and we just wanted him to know that hey listen we're you know this is a big day for us but you know we want you to know that you're a big part of this. And, and then, you know, it's been fun getting to also talk to his teammates, you know, and the way they talk about him, you know. So we're off to a great start. And as you know, Pat, you played with a stud. I mean, Andrew Luck, you know, you go into the building as a player, Pat, and you got somebody like that, you feel like you can win every game. Well, and you, people deal. work a little harder. You do some extra reps. You don't miss anything in the film. You you kind of, you in the off season, you're like, okay, we got a guy. Like, we got a guy that can get us there. That's why whenever a Tom Brady's on the market, if you're a team at it, you should think about bringing them in or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of goes to that whole thing. Because if you get a guy on your team, everybody's better. And uh, that's awesome. You guys got Herbert there. So you lived... You lived on the north side of L.A. whenever you were with the Rams, and the Chargers are on the south side of L.A. So what's that, seven-hour trip? Is that, what is that? And are you? Pre-pandemic pre- seven hours. <laughs> pandemic. 
about an hour and a half. So uh, <laughs> we've shrunk that down, you know, timing, like so much of life is timing. So I think, we're, you know, the timing is right right now. I've, I've been doing a little bit of the back and forth and, you know, uh, it hasn't been too bad. But again, I am not confused about what L.A. really is. I'm ready for it. And hopefully I get down here before I have to deal with uh, the seven hour uh, commute. Yeah, I hope you do as well. Uh, you, That L.A., you get you. Hey. <laughs> You will, they will park your ass. Oh yeah, they do not. Now, now listen. Now, there's some, uh, there's a some underrated Pittsburgh traffic. I know that you're a oh, whippy yeah. old guy. Yeah. There's some underrated bridge traffic coming in and out of that place. My brother lives in Mount Lebanon, so that, that's some. There's some sleep, oh. you know, some kind of sleepy traffic there now. Sneaky. Traffic. I agree. I agree. And there's weather. Okay. And there's only two ways in. You got a mountain you have to go through on one <laughs> side, and a mountain on the other side, and it all goes from like four lanes into two so it is problems but la you can get <laughs> caught for six hours and not even know it not even <laughs> not even run out of gas while sitting in the middle of traffic it just comes by the way great weather oh, hey yeah. head coach yeah. head coach is a great head coach of your mm-hmm. team oh, yep. hey new stadium new everything is that any do you have any mind i guess you're with the rams who had to kind of do the whole thing right there but this is a brand new franchise basically in la herbert's the quarterback chargers have this new stadium it's a los angeles team now no longer uh, really any affiliation with San Diego except for the OG fans or whatever. Is there any thought process to that? Like, okay, we this is a whole new – we're basically building a brand-new organization here in Los Angeles. I think the way that my family and I looked at it, Pat, and why we were so excited about it is the word that just kept coming to our mind was possibility. Mm. There's just a lot of possibility. And I think that the city of Los Angeles kind of represents that, represents that. You know, one of the great, you know, sports cities in the world, certainly in the United States. And – Uh, I think where the Chargers were, Pat, like, you know, just trying to, you know, really embrace our past, you know, and our present and now where we where we can go. I've been able to talk to a lot of former players, you know, former Charger greats, and I've been reaching out to people. And I think you hit it. There's just there's an excitement and I think there's an energy. And um, now we got to get started on the work. So uh, very, very, very exciting time. Great jerseys, too. The equipment managers. Oh, yeah. Great jerseys. Hey, great jerseys out there. Mm-hmm. Don't be st- Go ahead. For the, for the brand, man. Hey! <laughs> yeah. I got to get you a shirt. Tom wore one on Hard Knocks. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Literally, as soon as I was, I was like, Tom Telesco is the man. <laughs> what do you got, Diggs? Coach, you were obviously with the Bears and then the Broncos, yeah. and you saw what was going around on around the league. Was it your goal to just get on McVay's staff? Because if you know if you went there, you were going to get a head coaching job. It happened, by the way. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. 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 You nailed it. You nailed it. You know, life is strategy. You know, that's uh, <laughs> you know, so, so much of, uh, you know, marrying my wife. Great strategy. You know, I, you know, just total deception. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, you know, uh, coaching with Sean McVay um, sure doesn't hurt because the, the truth is that he's one of the best coaches in the game, you know, and um, he's earned that mantle, you know, in his four seasons as a head coach. Um, and, you know, uh, it certainly certainly helped my cause for sure. Yeah, I mean, he people were getting hired if they accidentally had lunch with him. Yeah. It was like two years ago. It was like, yeah, you know McVeigh? You ever meet him? You've been in his pool? You see his dog? You've been shirtless with him on hard knocks? Come on. Come get a head coaching gig. Come get a head coaching gig. Uh, the defense over there. Now, now, I will say this. Last year, Chargers were in like, it felt like every single game, it came down to the final couple minutes. And there seemed to be, I don't want to say some execution, but situational awareness 
going out of bounds when we should try to keep the clock running, things like that. Is that because you have a young team, you think? And how do you address that type of stuff? Because we looked into you a little bit. We listened to you. You're a big analytics guy. I would assume, and by the way, that's not a knock. That is just like uh, you said, like, hey, we need to use all the information we have to kind of do that whole thing. But is that something that you'll have to, like, is that something you'll focus on in teaching? Like, okay, here, this is a situation. We have to go through this. Like, how will you address that, which was a problem last year for the Chargers moving forward? And if you, even if it wasn't the Chargers, it was just a team you were coaching. How do you address yeah. that? Yeah, Pat. Well, I think you just hit on a bunch of really important points of NFL football. I think the first thing you got to do is you got to bring your team together in all three phases of the game. Uh, you really got to connect the guys. And I think you know that being a, a team's guy. Yeah. Um, your entire football team has got to be aligned and how you're going to play each and every game. And there's so much to cover uh, in an NFL game you know, or an NFL season. Uh, and I think that the more aligned you can be in all three phases, uh, the better chance that you're going to you know, be in those situations where you got to have it. You know, I call them GTHI, got to have it situations. Uh, so I think it really starts there being a connected team. And I think where data, analytics, you know, all this stuff, this movement, where it's really helped is you creating a process to make a better decision. Not that you're going to make a perfect decision, but you're certainly going to have a better process uh, in making them. And as you know, things are happening so quickly in an NFL game. You know, the more people that you can have aligned, you know, to create that, you know, communication that's so vital in the moment, you know, I think that's what we're going to try and create is that that communication, that process where, you know, in these tight games, in these big situations, you know, we can make decisions that we're proud of, not that are perfect, but that we're proud of, mm. that we can live with. And all we can do as a team is make sure each and every day, you know, you understand what's at stake. And, and that you got that. And that's what I talk about, Pat, creating a competitive environment. Like you got to create a competitive environment. So those situations aren't a big deal when you get to them. You know, every day with the Chargers is going to be engineered that way. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to thrive. That's awesome. What are, you, are you a hat guy, shorts guy? What do you wear at a practice? Yeah, I'm like, a, I'm a shorts hoodie guy. You know, I'm a hoodie. You know, I, I kind of like to go with the the longer sleeve, you know, mm. sweat it out. You know, we're Cleveland, Ohio, Midwest. You know, we're trying to, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to forget where I came from now. So. What are you on game day? Are you, are you going to have the uh, boys swagged out? Because Sean McVay has come and changed the game a little bit. You're on the Ram staff for what you wear on the sideline. LaFleur has mm -hmm. done that a little bit. There are some old school looks on the sideline of the games, but I do believe that is your decision. What are the boys, what are the coaches looking like on the sideline? Are we wearing khakis? What do we got going on? <laughs> Khakis. Man, he's like my high school coach, Bob Ridley, man. Coach Rick. Uh, I don't know if we're going that direction, Pat. I, I, want our, I want our guys to be ready to compete and coach some ball. I'm not really concerned about their attire. I want our guys to, you know, number one, be looking fresh in Chargers colors. Because, well, again, it's all about the brand. But, um, you know, we are, uh, I think we're going to be a pretty, uh, you know, casual, competitive outfit. Casual competitive. That is an awesome. Yeah, hey, business good. casual, casual competitive. I like that. Uh, the boys got a couple more questions for you. And we thank you for your time talking to Brandon Staley, new head coach of the Chargers. I'm going to put you in a hypothetical. Okay. I'm going to put you in a hypothetical here. All right. You guys make it to the AFC Championship. Congrats. Yeah. You guys make it. Congratulations, coach. You guys made it to the AFC Championship. Okay. There, you guys are down eight. All right. You guys are down eight. You're on the eight yard line going in. Your quarterback, Justin Herbert, just had an MVP career. There's about two minutes left. 
What are we doing? It's fourth down. Are we kicking the field goal? Are we letting Herbert go out there and get there? Are we weighing the <laughs> options? Are we, this is just a hypothetical, by the way. We just kind of drew it up mm-hmm. out of nowhere. What is the idea there? And as an analytics guy, does that make you more aggressive, you think? Or does it make you more uh, like what do, what do you think the analytics do in the decision making process? Number one, I just love this whole hypothetical. This, you know, you just got so, this, your creativity right now, where your imagination is. It's cold. It seems like it's cold, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's a little cold, you know. I, I also like the fact that this is kind of like a rhetorical question because I like you already know the answer. Um, so I think that that's kind of a cool. De- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with. A couple days of hindsight, number one, you know, man, like just there's a bunch of different directions that you could go there. Um, You know, and I I think I understand exactly why Matt did that. Um, But I think that that I think this, Pat, you know, if you believe in your quarterback, you believe in your guys, um, you know, you got to give them a chance, you know, to to compete there. And then, you know, if you don't get it, they got 92 yards to go. Certainly that's going to change their thought process offensively being backed up, even with a guy like Tom Brady. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, your defense with three timeouts in the two minute, uh, hopefully you can, you know, get it done if it doesn't go down for you. And then you still have field position on your side, you know, and hindsight's always 2020. It's going to happen to you throughout your entire career. It's going to be us saying it, by the way, it's going to be like, Hey coach day, what the hell was was he doing? Hindsight's always, I told my my wife, Amy, I said, get ready for it. Now I said, get ready. (laughs) By the way, it's all fake. It's all bullshit. None of it's personal. It's all just, that was a bad decision. (laughs) uh, The analytics, though, do you think that will make you more aggressive? Because we see see more people going forward on fourth and shorts instead of punting in the pass. There's a lot more go for. Do you think that is the analytics side of things, kind of uh, showing its face? I think the probability is, is big. You know, I think that when you just talk, you know, when you really study the way this movement has gone, I think, Pat, in the last five to seven years, uh, I think that really it boils down to, you know, being a poker player, being a chess master, you know, and, and you trying to, you know, have this the strategy that's literally going to give you a better chance, you know, to win. And so, um, as you know, like that's becoming such a big part of the game. But then there's that that feel, that context, you're on the field, living it. And, and you know, there's that part of the game, too, that a lot of people don't understand that you, it's a it's a balance of both. Right. It's if it was all one thing or another, you know, everybody would be doing it. It's the balance that you got to create. And that's certainly what we're going to try and, uh, you know, create here with the Chargers. You a good card player? You play cards? Never. I love. But one of my favorite movies of all time is Rounders. Oh, you know, like that's like one of my, you know, sort of staple movies. It's kind of like, you know, I feel like define me so uh Rogers. yeah mcd is mike mcd is one of you know my favorite <laughs> movies of all time so are you uh, are you gonna be a uh, are you a uh big talk guy like night before game before game are we given uh are we given a run through the wall type situation or is it like uh for instance jim caldwell uh, I, had, I had an opportunity to play for a team that he was the head coach of after games it was a business we did business. That was when Peyton was uh, quarterback and everything like that. And before the game, it was like business. But that was an older team, right? I think it was kind of like an older team. I was uh, just kind of dropped in to that squad. And then Chuck, every once in a while, Chuck would have like a little bit of a feel on where the team's at, and he would give a little bit. What do you think you kind of go towards more in your career thus far, and how do you think that's going to go going forward? I think the closer you get to the game, you got to make it – a more peaceful situation for your players because you know if you're doing it right 
uh, during the week. I think the closer you get to the game, the more your players got to be at ease. So I'm not big on, you know, wearing the guys out as the game gets closer. You know, to me, like if I, when I was playing and, you know, all the players that I've been fortunate to coach, uh, they don't want to be worn out before this game. They want their mind clear <laughs> to go compete. They got enough to worry about. And, you know, it's kind of like, hey, coach, I got you. I love you. Leave me alone. So uh, I think uh, the closer, at least my philosophy is, hey, get your work done at the beginning of the week. And as you get to the end of the week, hey, man, this this game's about the players, you know. So um, I like to talk about peace a lot, you know. I want it to be calm for these guys so they can go compete like crazy. Well, that's, by the way, peace and happiness and positive is Aaron Rodgers' mantra this season. He just mm-hmm. threw 40-some in less than five to interception, True. by the way. Not a bad play over there in oh. Los Angeles. Uh, Ty, what do you got? Coach, Pat alluded to it earlier about how everyone was saying that the Chargers job was probably the the best one going into the offseason, but there are a lot of people that were also saying it was maybe one of the least desirable with Patrick Mahomes in the division. <laughs> did you did he, did he cross your mind at all when you were making the, uh, the decision, or was it just like, again, you know, we, there's a lot of possibility here? Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of hit it, but I, I think this, guys, you know, when you're a competitor, um, you're not really worried about anybody else. You know, you're just worried about, you know, your situation. I think great competitors aren't driven by what's going on with anybody else. And, you know, uh, you know, today we all know in the city of Los Angeles, you know, with Kobe Bryant, I think that that guy um, embodies that more than anybody. You know, uh, Kobe Bryant wasn't worried about anybody. I know the guys that I look up to, Michael Jordan, uh, Rafa Nadal, who's a kind of like, I love him. Like, they're not worried about the competition and neither are we. We're just interested in, in getting this program started the right way and getting to know our guys and the people in this building. And um, I know that if we do that, then um, we can compete against anybody. Well, that was awesome, by the way. Rest in peace, Kobe, one year ago today, by the way, absolute legend. Um, Hey, that's an awesome mindset, by the way. I'm pretty excited to see what your team does over there. Like, I am very excited to see you and Tom seem like a great tag team. Tom Telesco. (laughs) I mean, did you know him previously to this uh, hiring? And what will that be like? Is it what's the, the the What's the future look like for the way you two kind of do business together? I think, you know, I always respected him from afar. You know, I worked at John Carroll and he's kind of a John Carroll guy, but we had never really, we had never met in person. You know, I was in the division one year in Denver when he was here, but, uh, you know, I just think we knew a lot of similar people, uh, but had never really connected in person. But I had always, you know, admired what he accomplished with the, with the Colts, you know, with Bill Polian, who's a guy that I have the utmost respect for. Uh, building that team over that many years and just a Hall of Famer. You know, Bill's a guy that I just have so much respect for. And then, you know, you always, you know, have respect for how somebody was trained. And, and so learning from him and then being able to take, you know, this team and, and the transition. Um, and, and you know, if all you got to do is look at our team, you know, the type of players we have, I think, and over his whole time here, being able to create a team that's competed. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, all the guys that we have right now are a good example of his ability to evaluate and, you know, I'm really excited about that partnership because he's a great man, as you know, just the type of character that he has and the type of capacity. You know, that's how you get it, you get it done in life is you join up with people that have both of those things. And, um, you know, we're excited to get going. Yeah, Tom's awesome. He's the reason I made it in the NFL. I probably shouldn't have. So I'm very thankful for him. You play <laughs> tennis. You play tennis. You talked about Rafa. You play tennis. Yeah, huge tennis guy. Um, Real- ping pong? One of my goals, maybe you could help me help me with it. I, I got to see this guy play before he gets done, you know. So. You're the head coach of the Chargers, dude. You're going to be able to do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't you worry about that. I'm not going to help you with that. Yeah. You're the head coach of the Chargers, dude. You, you, you go you watch them play. Go watch them play. More people, man. Like, 
you know, like people are watching you now. I know, yeah. like, <laughs> I know it's stupid, to be honest, how many people are watching at this point. I do not deserve it. We do not deserve it, but we're cool with it. But <laughs> do you play ping pong? You know, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, hey, listen, I'm it's send like, you an Oculus. Like, <laughs> like I played all the sports. I mean, I, I was one of these guys, my twin brother, my younger, we, we played, we, we did it all. You know, I mean, you name it. That's what we were doing. My parents were like, hey, get out and go compete, figure it out, learn, you know, that, you know. That, that's how we were kind of brought up. I'm going to send you the Oculus. Okay, the Oculus, you, you, don't, you don't have a lot of time right now. <laughs> but, uh, whenever everything slows down, uh, we can play ping pong against each other. It's real in there. It's, a, it's like a virtual reality game, and you play ping pong against people. I've been having a blast. Uh, you can buy your own, actually. You just became a head coach. <laughs> whenever you get it, let me know. Uh, Connor, what do you have? Coach, when you were a D coordinator with the Rams last year, you guys played the Seahawks three times, and DK Metcalf just came out and said they were too predictable on offense was that something you guys saw in film study and ultimately helped you guys win in the playoffs and does that happen on a regular basis in the nfl it seems like that's happened yeah. a couple times now that conversation's happening uh, it, like uh, lamar came out and said that the other team was predicting mm -hmm. them in the middle of the season dk just came out and said something is that something that happens in the nfl and how do you stop that from happening to your team yeah i think you know guys i think that number one I, that dk metcalf guy man he uh so defending him three times was was a real pleasure um you know very stressful um and uh so his game is just taken off so number one you know a lot of respect for dk but uh you know i think i think this guys i think every i think it's so competitive in the league and games like that happen i think that you know what you got to be able to say going into a game is hey we're not gonna let dk metcalf take the top off this coverage you know i mean you got to decide in every game how are you going to go down and uh i know that we weren't going to go down with uh, dk metcalf you know you know launching a 65 yard touchdown over our head like that wasn't you know sort of our plan you know so um i just think that you know uh you know i think it's tough in this league and and you know i think guys like dk what he's going to discover is you know like a julio jones and like a you know mike evans all these great players you know uh, he, they're they're going to be different ways that they got to, you know, beat you, you know, and uh, with, with DK, you know, he's so explosive. I think, you know, most of the league is probably saying what we did. So, okay, got you. Just Times. That happened. That was like such a compliment to T.Y. Hilton. When T.Y. became the guy that they were shifting coverages to after Reggie kind of left, I, I know sure. it kind of sucked for T.Y. obviously because he all of a sudden his game production went down for a couple and everybody's like, is T.Y. dead? And it's like, oh no, T.Y.'s the guy now. He's the guy that's getting covered. That's a yeah. big deal in the NFL. Excited to see what D.K. does. Also very excited to see what you do in Los Angeles. You've been awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. Thank you, Pat. It's been awesome. Hey, go see the guy play. You're the head coach of the Chargers. Yeah. Hey, Dude. global pandemic. There are a lot of issues, but that is a goal of mine. We're, we're like, I'm telling you, that goal of mine. All right. Ten year anniversary coming up. Maybe we can get that done, Amy Ooh. and I. What are you going to wear? Are you going to wear the headband? You going to do the whole thing whenever you go out there? See, I'm disappointed that he left like the cutoff and the capris. Like that's like the old Rafa. Like I kind of hope that at the end he goes back to it. <laughs> yeah. Like that amazing because i feel like i've been with him the whole the whole way you know like yeah so i will say you're the first diehard rafa fan we've ever had on this show mm -hmm. man i'm appreciative of that hopefully we get you connected to him we'll make some calls <laughs> we'll make some calls to the tennis community coach uh ladies and gentlemen brandon staley thank you coach. Yeah. Hello, coach. 
everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them most straight to your door. Listen, we've talked about Simply Safe ad nauseum on here. Everyone in the office has it. We all love it. The alerts come straight to your phone. It's cloud-based. It's very easy to set up. Don't need to worry about any you know text coming into your house. If you need to pull a clip, it's very, very easy. All right there at your fingertips. Simply Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24-7 and ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees, or installation costs. Right now, our listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash McAfee. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com slash McAfee for your free security camera today. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash McAfee. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man on Saturday night that knocked another man out cold. A man that jumped up on top of the cage and did a backflip off of that thing in celebration and then following being crowned the winner, cut a promo afterwards, calling out every other person in his division. He spent 11 years at Bellator, his first fight in the UFC. He knocks a man out, the new king. Of the division, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Chandler. What's up? Hey, your promo was fantastic. You know that. I know that. I'm pumped you delivered it, though, whenever you're a little bit tired and in beautiful fashion, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, you, you never quite know how, uh, how those things are going to come out, man. It's, uh, you just get done with the, the craziest roller coaster of your life. Uh, for me, even, even more so because it was my first fight in the UFC the biggest stage I could ever ask for, co-main event of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view, and uh, had to make it happen, and we did. Hey, you delivered not only in the fight, but in the promo. Uh, it was it hit the internet running, by the way, as soon yeah. as it gets going. Anytime somebody can do that, especially with what you're talking about, the roller coaster of emotion, to bring it all back together and put together a very coherent, very entertaining, very direct shot at a lot of people is a beautiful thing, all the while draped in the American flag. Congrats on a magical moment. I assume you'll never forget it. 11 years in Bellator, is that right? I was talking to Ariel Hawani this morning. Uh, he'll be joining the show on Friday, by the way. Oh. Just everything in his life has crashed. The Buffalo Bills lost, you know. Connor lost after a sit-down interview with him. I mean, that's a whole conversation. But I was talking with him. He said that whenever you became a free agent in the fight game, it was a big deal because normally guys don't become free agents. And there was places that were thinking about getting you. You come to the UFC. Was the dream all along to get to the UFC? Because normally people go UFC Bellator, right? I don't think I know everything. To come up through from Strike Force through Bellator to get to UFC, this long journey, was this always the goal? And did you think it was, did you ever give up and think that it wasn't going to happen? Yeah, you know, uh, I guess it was more like we alluded to again. It was kind of an emotional roller coaster. You know, um, I had a phenomenal career with Bellator, um, very comfortable, very predictable. 
truthfully, I was, you know, one of the, I was one of the faces of Bellator, if not the face of Bellator. I was kind of their homegrown talent, their, their indispensable asset. Um, and that's what I always tried to make, make myself. Number one, put on great performances. Number two, be a great employee and things always work out well. Um, it just got to the point where I always thought about the 40 year old me, the 45 year old me when I'm done and retired. And I just pictured myself laying my head on what would feel like a cinder block every single night if I did not make that jump to the UFC and test myself against the cream of the crop, the highest level guys, the best guys in the world, and give myself the opportunity to become the number one light, light, lightweight on the planet, which I truly believe that I am. Um, but it was just lip service unless I actually made the jump. So had the opportunity to fight out my contract, did fight out my contract, um, had offers from four organizations, all the major organizations. Obviously, the UFC was where I wanted to be because you can't just say you're the best lightweight in the world. you got to go out there and prove it. So that's what I did. September, I signed. October, I had the backup for the world title fight um, right away because a couple guys said no. And then uh, finally, we, we got the fight with Dan Hooker, who was the number six lightweight in the world. Now I've made stake, stake in my claim, like you said, called everybody out, put everybody on notice. It was and, awesome. Uh, we're heading to the top in 2021. It was awesome. Is the roster at UFC in the lightweight division one of the reasons why, obviously, you had to pick UFC? Not only because it's UFC, but that roster is what littered with talent, right? I, I mean, I just watched uh, yeah. Cormier and Ariel Hawani. Uh, they put something out on Ariel Hawani's Instagram where basically Cormier was designing what he thought should be a tournament almost for the title or the vacated title or whatever they're going to do that with that whole thing. I mean, that is a... Just in your promo alone, Poirier, Conor McGregor, Khabib, if he comes and fights for his 30th fight, uh, and I, I, you complimented him in your promo too, so you obviously have a lot of respect for him and his style and everything like that. But, I mean, that is a that is a big ticket. Those are numerous big ticket fights. That, has to, that had to have gone into your mind. And now that you're going to get those, does that change anything? Will you, like, does that change anything about how you train? At this point, do you know your exact system on how you'll fight or, or anything? Like, what's the process behind that? Yeah, so uh, essentially, kind of like I alluded to, I, Bellator is a phenomenal organization, but they don't have the depth. You're, you're not considered the best lightweight in the world if you are the Bellator world champion. Um, I knew I needed to come over to the UFC. I knew it was a murderer's row. It is the deepest division in, in, the, in the world, in the UFC. It's the most electrified, most hyped up, most energized division, obviously anchored by Conor McGregor, um, the biggest combat sports superstar on the planet. And uh, I wanted the opportunity to fight those guys. And Truthfully, Pat, the reason also that I, that I made this move was I've trained all over the world. I've trained from East Coast to West Coast and everywhere in between. And I live a championship lifestyle that is just different and levels above every other guy that I, and gal that I've ever trained around. I was training for my Bellator World title fights or even contender fighter title fights in Bellator that, that didn't have the clout like we just saw on Saturday night but I was training as if I was fighting the number one guy in the world. So how do you live a championship lifestyle, do everything, you know, in my mind, I do everything right. And, and I deserve to be talked about with the best lightweights in the world. Yet I didn't have the opportunity to fight those guys and step inside the arena with them. So I had to make the jump. That's why I did it. I left relative uh, certainty with Bellator. I left a, a great contract. I left, predictability i knew i was going to fight twice a year be the poster boy live a comfortable life but man you cannot grow in comfortable scenarios i want to live my life out on the fringes outside of my comfort zone in order to get everything that god has given me and get get to the top of 
the division, get to the top of the world, and get every ounce of talent that God gave me since I was a small child and uh, just a small kid from a small town who picked himself up by his bootstraps just like my mom and dad did um, right outside of St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, been all over the world, and now it's time to go out there and stake my claim as the best lightweight in the world. What? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hey, I thought there was two to three different endings there, and each one of them just continued to talk himself. The bootstraps. I'm going to keep you on your. I'm going to keep you on your toes. I, I literally stood oh, yeah. up in the middle of that. I mean, I was getting ready to go, and then it just kept going. That's so. You, you're the old. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Is is that something? So you don't really have fight camps. You're just like almost always in shape, and then you just have to change your strategy for whoever you're going to fight. You've never had a sandwich or a pizza. Or anything? <laughs> No, I haven't had a carb since 1993. So, so do the math. I don't know. I'm, Are you I'm telling joking. me? I'm oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't oh. had a gram of sugar since the turn of the century. So, uh, no, man, I, I do stay ready, man. It's, I, it's just easy for me. You know, this isn't a job. It's, it's you know, you, you did it. You're an athlete. Like, you know, you got to train. But, man, what, what we get to do people buy tickets for people people wake up in the morning they put on their their pat mcafee jersey just to go watch the game man like now people are buying my merch and they're they're now they're gonna buy pay-per-views to watch me fight i am living an absolute dream so i've been given so many great gifts so many great abilities and to give anything less than my best every single day man i'm just squandering those gifts and i know just like you could say pat like eventually someday i'm gonna take off those gloves for the last time and i'm gonna be in some arena somewhere and about to shower and, and be done with my career, I'm going to have to look in the mirror at myself and ask myself honestly and truthfully, Michael, did you give everything that you possibly could with these talents that you were given? So I got 365 days a year uh, for the next five years or so to get everything I possibly can. And, man, now the sky is the limit, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, I will never do a backflip off the cage like that again. <laughs> uh, it was probably a bad idea, ill-advised yet entertaining. But I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. Okay. Love the quote. Love that. <laughs> That's what life's all about, by the way. I will say, it looked like you were very comfortable. I mean, you got on top of that. By the way, jabbed at his sternum, overhand right. I do that in the Oculus Arena every night. There's no chance of me getting punched in the actual face. But that is what I go with every single time. It was beautiful. And you got to the top of that cage quicker than I think I've ever seen anybody else get to the top. You got up there as if you were a cat. Was it just natural instinct there? And who did you say didn't like it? Oh, Dana White. He got he got on the he got on the pre post by press conference, and he's like, "Does anybody effing hate the backflips as much as I hate the effing backflips?" Okay, <laughs> the kid finally gets his opportunity in the UFC. He looks like he's gonna blow out his knees, his ankles, his spine. Uh, and I was like, yeah, "That's a bad idea." But man, listen, uh, you know me and my great fucking form yeah. though. Wow. Hey, look yeah, at that right. form. Hey, that's what the, that's what the kids are calling full. Send, okay? <laughs> full send. Right there, it was. It was at that moment, right there on that picture, where I was like, "Okay, this is either, either the greatest celebration of all time, or the 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 most ridiculous sports in, in, eventual funeral that anybody will ever see live on pay per view." So, uh, either way, we're, we're here to talk about it, and I'm blessed to be on your show. Okay, well, I'm pumped you're here, too. Um, were you always just a guy, heavy hand? Because you were a wrestler, right? You, you wrestled at Missouri yeah. alongside Ben Askren. I believe you guys were on the same team somewhere. Yep. I, was that Missouri? And Tyron, yep, and Tyron Woodley. They were like my big brothers. They were really the reason I got into mixed martial arts. Oh, so that that wrestling room there was pretty insane. It, it seems like so that was, good. yeah, I would fathom those those so practices that people don't get to see. I assume there's some legendary stories out of that operation. Mm -hmm. Oh, big time, man. Yeah, I mean, there was a, 
I, I didn't throw my first punch when I got into MMA. Let's we'll put it that way. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, there's always five guys behind you nipping at your heels trying to take your spot. So you gotta, you know, there was punches thrown, and man, we just uh, the wrestling mentality. It's a hard nose, in your face, blue collar, balls to the wall, nonstop pace at all times, and that's what we did. Tiger style wrestling, and uh, it served me well inside the cage. And uh, so yeah, I started out as a wrestler, but man. I, like I said, man, I've been, get, been given some great gifts. I feel like I got lightning, my, lightning in both hands. Uh, usually knock guys out with the right hand because I'm right-handed, but been, been uh, kind of expanding my repertoire, repertoire, if you will, and starting. I knocked out my last two guys with the left hand, so just getting more dangerous, man, and uh, can't be happier. Well, I'd say, by the way, I got lightning in both hands. Is <laughs> an awesome thing to be able to say. Okay, I, that is an awesome thing to be able to say. Shout out to you. Are you going to... Uh, are you going to start trying to build like a, um, I guess like a shield around your your right calf because uh, what Poirier uh, Poirier did to Conor McGregor's leg there? Are you is that something that you see somebody else does and you go, oh yeah yeah, see that would be a pain in the ass if that happened to me, and then you have to start like prepping. Is that something that you automatically pick up even if a fight isn't scheduled against him? But that's something like you think like okay, this is something I do have to figure out at some point. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. You talk about getting crushed in the face, crushed to the body. You talk about all these big, all these big time impacts that we make. It's like being in a car crash at all times inside that cage. But these little calf kicks, it's called a calf kick. You, you obviously aim below the knee, between the ankle and the knee. And as strong as, as, strong as your legs are, that calf muscle, those, those couple little calf muscles are dainty muscles and they're so important and essentially your whole base your whole body depends upon being able to those those muscles working at, at the right time those muscles firing and not stiffening up so what Poirier did to Connor was was it wasn't hurting him uh from a pain standpoint but it immobilized him and immediately took him off of his game so yes it's something that I do uh practice a lot and actually in my fight against Dan Hooker he's a long guy freaking six foot tall. I looked like a midget out there fighting him. And he threw, you know, he threw his long legs, threw a bunch, of, he opened up with a bunch of low, low calf kicks. And me and my coach Henry Hoop have, have trained this a lot because guys see my, my low stance, my wide stance, my wrestler stance, short legs, and uh, guys are, guys will target them. So it's something I have uh, worked on. It's something that I'm, I'm willing to eat a couple to, uh, to be able to throw, throw and land some big punches as you saw on Saturday night. And uh, it's something that I work on, something I will be ready for if and when Dustin Poirier and I share that octagon together for the lightweight gold. Um, sorry, I don't know as much as I should about your style of fighting. You got lightning in your feet too? I don't. I don't. Oh. I got, I got, I, <laughs> no, I know you do. I know you I was about to say, I give, you, I give you a little thunder down there. See, see, the, see the, 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 the funny thing about, about me is, I actually hate kicks because I do have short legs. And most of the time, the problem is God didn't create bones to crash against other bones without negative impact, right? So when I throw a kick, nine times out of ten, I end up falling short and crushing my toes on someone's knee, yeah. hurting myself more than I hurt them. So I just try to stay away from kicks altogether. They don't work for me. I'm just going to throw hands as hard as I possibly can until the ref pulls me off. That's, like, that's brilliant, by the way. That's like in football. Whenever you try to go punch for a fumble – 
and I tried this one time. It worked one time, got cocky, tried it again. I punched a guy right in his elbow so hard, oh. so hard. I just was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm not doing that ever again. I'm done for that thing. Because exactly. when you're kicking with your leg, aren't you hitting him with your actual shin? Isn't that like a kick? M- Mitrione kicked me one time, all right? Because I, yep. I trained down there a couple times, like two times. He tapped me out four times in a minute. <laughs> Broke both my arms. I, I, I didn't understand any of it. But I was like, I feel like I could probably be a pretty good kick. You know, I feel like I could probably give a good kick or whatever. And I was kicking the bag with like my foot or whatever. And he was like, don't kick it with your foot. Move up, use your shin or whatever. And he stood in front of me. He was like, here, ready? And he goes, here, how do you feel? How's this feel? And he hit me with his foot. And I was like, yeah, not good. And then he hit me with the shin right in the, it almost dropped me like immediately. <laughs> so you're kicking like with yeah. your shin. Is that what you guys are kicking with it? Not that you do, but the guys that are kicking, yeah. are they are they kicking each other with their shins? Yeah. So in a What's perfect world, deal? yeah. In a, in a perfect world, yeah, you want to take that shin bone and hit it right in the belly of the muscle. But uh, as we said, nine times out of ten, I end up really botching it in front of millions of people. So I just, I just decided to stay away from it. Uh, but, yeah, Matt Mitrione is a friend of mine. We trained together down in Florida. Uh, and a guy like him, he's got a little bit longer legs, and he's both yeah. very mobile for, a, for a, a heavyweight. But it's always a moving target, too. That's the problem. You're like, you get zoned in, you get the beat on them, and then all of a sudden they move, and then – you just really regret it. About 90% of the way you realize, okay, this one's falling short and this one's going to hurt. <laughs> uh, do you guys, now, obviously, you called out Connor and Dustin. Have you met them? And what are relationships like pre-fights? Because you saw Dustin and Connor actually have a moment uh, with the hot sauce beforehand. And then sometimes you see fights where it's very contentious. What are the relationships like normally? Because I always find it so interesting that you guys have the ability to flip the switch between sport and reality. And whenever you're getting punched in the face by somebody and somebody's trying to knock you out and everything and then dancing on your grave like and then you guys have the ability to flip that off and be like uh thank you have a good one like i have i have a lot of respect for that is it like that after fights before fights like what is is there any interaction normally between fighters yeah so i mean you know we we had a press conference and it was actually a really cordial pretty positive press conference to be honest with you um I, I sat right next to Dustin Poirier before weigh-ins, just chopping it up because it's funny, you know, before, before the fight, after the fight, he's a man, he's a human being, he's a father, he's a husband, he's, they're, they're guys that I respect. I mean, you've you got to respect anybody who does what we do for a living and puts our bodies through what we do um, for a living. But when, it, when that cage door closes and, it, and it's time to compete, he doesn't have a soul, he doesn't have a brain, he doesn't have anything. He's got two arms, two legs, and he's got a couple targets on him, and you're there to do a job. He's just another guy between you and put putting food on the table for your family um yeah this is a very cordial kind of uh experience you saw connor and dustin chopping it up i sat next to connor at the press conference first time that i met him um and it's nice too you see these guys on tv you see them on the internet you, you know you, you you size them up from afar but when they're there in the flesh it's much easier to get a beat on them and it, and it humanizes them a little bit you kind of realize okay i could pick this guy up and slam him on his neck you know i could <laughs> i could do some damage to this guy right you know realizing that connor Connor's got some really great photographers around him to make him look seven foot tall and, and a really huge guy, and he's not not as big as, as, as I thought he was. Not that he's not a great athlete, and not that he's not uh, a, a decent size for a lightweight, but it just it humanizes him, right? But all in all, uh, man, I come from the wrestling the wrestling background where you know you got twenty eight guys in your bracket, you're weighing in next to them, you're, you're eating next to them before you go wrestle with them, you see them. 
you pass them in the hallways, you freaking end up at the urinal next to them, and you're like, dang, okay, I gotta wrestle that guy here soon. You know, <laughs> you, you, you just, you get used to it. It's like, to me, it doesn't matter. Me being friend, not friends, but me being friendly with you, me showing you respect, is not gonna, not gonna hinder my performance, nor decrease my chances of going out there and taking your head off. So I prefer to just, you know, be cordial. I'm a pretty positive guy, pretty joyful guy. I don't need to go around me mugging people. That's kind of my demeanor. Okay, so you just said a lot of awesome things there, obviously. Hey, by the way, seems to be a pretty regular thing for you, which is also awesome, good for you. <laughs> the, um, whenever you said you, you got a chance to see him and it humanized him a little bit, that, that happens in the football world too, right, with the Patriots. Everybody talks about the mystique of things. Whenever there's like a mystique and then you get a chance to see it, you're like, oh, okay, those people poop the same way I do. Okay, like th this is, yeah. the, it, it does kind of have that situation. I've always wondered, whenever you guys have that, um, the stare down or whatever the hell it is, and I assume that's just for photos, but it, it feels like there is a little bit of like, uh, are you are you sizing? Because at that point, you already have your plan for what you're going to do, right? Whenever you're doing that. Yeah. Is there anything happening in that aside from just a photography moment? Or is there real potential gamesmanship happening in there at all? For, for me, no. For, for a lot of guys, there is. I, I truly think that Conor McGregor uses those opportunities and has used those opportunities every single time to stare into a guy's soul. You know, he always does the thing. He puffs out his chest. He takes off his glasses. He stares through your soul. And he, and he kind of just starts mentally breaking you before the fight. For me, I'm just like, okay, whatever, dude. Uh, we'll take this photo off. And then in about a day, 48 hours from now, I'm, I'm going to go out there and do my job. Um, but – you know, even even to your point, like you know, with the Patriots, yeah, I mean, we we watch we watch them and they look unbeatable, right? But then you see them in the flesh, and you're like, man, these guys put their pants on one leg at a time, just like just yeah. like I do. And, and and it was the same thing I did when I got done with my fight. I wanted to go be cage side and watch Connor and Poirier, because when you watch it on TV, you watch it on the internet, it looks so much faster, so much more violent. But then you see it, you see it in person, 3D it slows it down a little bit and it even humanizes it even more. And you can visualize yourself inside that octagon doing exactly what I did to Dan Hooker to one of those guys. Uh, so whenever you're walking around town, are you just thinking you're, well, not now because there's no humans walking around any towns. <laughs> but you know, when towns are open, when you, when you do have the ability to walk around towns, uh, do you do you ever just look at somebody and go like, okay, if that person was to even look at me sideways, I could give a two piece to the jaw right there. Like whenever, for instance, Jorge Masvidal, whenever he was doing an interview last year, Super Bowl, I think with Rich Eisen, he said that whenever he sees a fighter or whatever, he sees like an equation basically or something like. That. I forget how he how he 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 broke it down, but something like that, like little. Is that how you have to look at guys? Like all right, here because you said targets, you said they're just two arms and a couple targets, and. I assume that changes for every fighter, but is that something you, you have to do? Is, is that, is that the mindset in that whole thing? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I mean, truthfully for me, I, I feel like I have a leg up because I, I've been well-versed in hand-to-hand -hand combat since I was, you know, 14 years old. Like, cause wrestling, we're not throwing punches. We're not throwing kicks, but my goal is to grab your wrist, grab your head, grab your leg, pick you up, put you down, control your body, break you. So I've been doing that. I did that for, you know, 15 years. Then I started fighting and now it's essentially the same thing, except now we can choke people, we can punch them, we can hit them, uh, you know, hit them with all of our limbs. Um, but yeah, you, you, the body only works certain ways, right? Your knees only, your knees only bend a certain way. Your arms only bend a certain way. Guys have certain habits, certain tendencies, tendencies 
certain um, idiosyncrasies in, in which way, the ways that they move and they have, you know, they don't usually stray outside of those things. So you're watching film, you're breaking things down. Um, you're maybe listening to their interviews. You're trying to maybe get inside their mind and how, how maybe how you're going to mentally break them uh, while you're physically breaking them. So it's a, it's a, there's a lot more, it's a lot more in depth than two dudes just going out there and swinging for the fences uh, these days, especially because as we've seen the sport of mixed martial arts evolved and now, you know, you got a guy like me. I, I have a college degree. I didn't have to fight. I chose to fight because I believe it was the calling on my life, and I and I enjoy doing it. So you're getting a lot more educated people, a lot more people who are living the lifestyle of a martial artist. Uh, whereas when the sport started back in the early '90s, it was uh, you know kind of just barroom brawlers, and the sport has really cleaned itself up a lot over the last couple of decades and then gracie came in mm-hmm. and just started breaking people's arms yeah. everywhere excuse me how you doing give me that. yeah excuse me how you doing yeah that's well that's that's when yeah that's when uh, and that was back when there was no weight classes so that was was back when people started realizing holy cow this guy at 170 pounds just you know choked out this 370 pound sumo wrestler maybe size doesn't mean everything you know <laughs> Yeah, I do believe that was found out quickly. Ty, what do you got? Michael, Pat yeah. mentioned it earlier. Uh, I'm sure uh, you've heard that Ben Askren is going to be fighting uh, Jake Paul. How do you think he's going to fare in uh, that fight? I love it, man. I, I wasn't sure if that was going to happen, man. I just love every great thing that happens to Ben Askren. Because Ben Askren, <laughs> say what you want about him. A lot of people don't know him like I know him. He's like a big brother to me. Um He's a guy that I would consider uh, one of my best friends and teammates for life. I'm excited about it. Number one, let's be honest, Ben wasn't Ben. Ben isn't the most talented striker. So if you're Jake Paul, you chose the right mixed martial artist to step inside the box. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, man. Don't put, don't put, uh, don't overlook my man Ben. Number one, I think it's great because I hope Ben's getting paid a grip. Number two, I'm tuning in. I might even be there, freaking cage side or boxing ringside wherever yeah, the heck it is, it is. That, that's going to be a fun one um and i think it's awesome and truthfully i would never hate on anybody for for making a living and doing what they're doing the paul brothers man fighting mayweather and, and uh the, the guy the basketball player and ksi and all that kind of stuff it's not real sport necessarily um but it's fun it's fun to watch so i guess it's good for the sport it's entertaining and you're just going to keep seeing it more and more as the world of, of combat sports just grows and grows and grows. It's something that people want to do. You know, there's, you can't go and watch UFC 257 this past weekend and watch these performances and watch the, the, how big these, these spectacles are and, and what is on the line without, without wanting to, to taste that a little bit, right? I truly believe every, every man was created uh, for an adventure to have, a beauty to win, and a battle to fight. So especially for us as men, we all want a battle to fight. So um, that's why people are drawn to mixed to mix martial arts, and uh, you're going to see keep seeing more and more of these, these big-time shows happen. Well, I love it. I can't wait to see what happens there. Ben Askren was on the show, gave us a great interview. He loves disc golf, that guy. <laughs> that guy. He's, he's, ranked, he's ranked in the world in disc golf. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm happy his passion is paying off. <laughs> I mean, it was a great conversation yeah. about that whole thing, man. Sir. <laughs> Mike, after 257, Dana came out and said that Khabib had mentioned to him that he wasn't impressed at all by Connor or Poirier's performances. Have you had any sort of talks behind the scenes? Was Khabib paying attention when you stepped into the octagon oh. for the first time? I mean, I hope he was. Um, but yeah, I mean, after at the post-fight press conference, I heard Dana saying that Khabib essentially said, Dana, come on, these guys are levels below me. And uh, <laughs> he's got every right to believe that. Man, the man is tw- 29-0 and 0 for a reason. He's undefeated. Um, 
he has looked unbeatable inside that UFC octagon for so many years. But, man, I just I truly believe that I did do something spectacular that night. I do have a wrestling pedigree that I think can rival his. Um, I do believe that I have a recipe to beat the man, and that's why I wanted to call him out. I think in his quest for 30, you know, he's got to beat somebody, so why not me? I truly believe if we step into the cage, he will become 29 in Chandler, and that's what I'm going with. And if he ever does come back, maybe i got to beat Poirier, get the title defended a couple times to, to woo him out of retirement. But either way, the division moves on. The show must go on with or without Khabib. We don't need you. Uh, sail off into the sunset. Go do your thing. Uh, you got a whole country on your back, a whole religion on your back. You are doing some amazing things for your people. Go do your thing. Um, but don't hold up the division. And definitely don't be tweeting about Conor McGregor after the man just stepped inside the arena and lost. The worst thing that you can do uh, as, a, as a man, as a competitor, is when you see one of your, one of your foes, uh, one of your former opponents, even if you hate the guy, throw a tweet out there for all the world to see, just kind of basically, like, like Pat said, dancing on his grave and celebrating his, his, his falling short. At least the man stepped into the arena. At least the man went out there, wore his heart on his sleeve, and took his L like a man. Um, so good riddance if he wants to leave, if he wants to stay. Man, I got a I got a two piece ready for him. <laughs> Twenty nine and Chandler, by the way, I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> I'll send you a shirt. Okay, right, please do. You got like four of them here from today. Um, what you know? He was swimming against a frozen river. I watched a mm-hmm. video of him. He wrestled a couple bears over there. Any cool? <laughs> Hey, any cool training things that we can start talking about that you have done? Have you wrestled a bear? Is there any chance? No. No, no it, first of all, it was a cub. Second of all, it was a trained cub. Third of all, man, that's just some that's weird thing them Russians do just for Instagram. Like all I say, I'm, I'm good old-fashioned, passionate American freaking twisted steel getting out there and getting after him. I don't care. I got some weights I'm going to throw around. I got some bodies in the wrestling room. I pick them up and I put them down. That's all I got. Uh, I do some backflips here and there. That's about it. So Khabib can take his bear wrestling and, and do whatever he wants with it. Uh, but it doesn't interest me. Uh, hey, man, this has been an incredible conversation. I appreciate you so much. I hope we get a chance to chat again whenever, as you ascend this UFC ladder like you did Bellator for all those years. Of course, man. Yeah, holler at me. I, I'm always down, man. Big fan of the show. Uh, my brother Eric watches it religiously. He always talks about it. He always said, man, you, you haven't made it until you get on the Pat McAfee. No, oh, <laughs> man, hey, man. No, no, no. Hey, man. No, that's you know, not the way. He called me. Hey. Oh, they, they, they said the UFC called me and said, Pat McAfee wants to talk to you. And I said, who? Oh, <laughs> man. That that means a lot. I appreciate that. Tell Eric we said what's up as well. And by the way, if he's watching, what's sure. up? The uh, We assume that the reason why you're on the show and why everything you just said there is bullshit is because once you get way up there, it's going to be hard for us to get to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard for us to get no. to you. Yeah, it is. You're going to yeah. be, you got lightning. Sending, you got lightning I'm, in I'm your hands. Your producer. You're right. You're right. But but I'm send, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my hands and I'm gonna text your producer. I'm gonna send send you my number. Perfect. So you'll have my phone wow. number. So I'll hop on whenever. Bang! Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's go. Michael Chandler. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he was awesome. Yes. Yeah. He was absolutely awesome. Electric. That was electric. Walks in the cage. Doesn't have a soul. Doesn't have a brain. Just two arms. <laughs> yeah. A couple targets. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just flip the switch and then just walking about the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> He's just walking amongst us, by the way. Never know. <laughs> hey. Hey, that was a trained bear. Come, come, come.
Can't thank you enough for choosing to join us today. Obviously, massive thanks to Michael Chandler. Yep. Great conversation with him. Mm -hmm. Big thanks to Brandon Staley, new head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, he was great. Great conversation. I think they're going to do what? Or Los Angeles Chargers, sorry. Mm -hmm. Just got hired from the Los Angeles Rams. I think he's going to do a great job over there. Seems like a type of coach I would want to play for. And then, obviously, big shout-out Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. Also, big shout out to you. Like I said, I mean, just being able to ask him questions all season during a year when he wins MVP. I mean, that. Thank you very much. That was fucking awesome. We all won here, mm -hmm. and we all won here. Very thankful for Aaron. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Huge show tomorrow. Hey, listen. Subscribe, rate, and review this show. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow's show, huge man. Yeah, maybe even bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. All right, that's the show. We'll be back tomorrow. Be a friend, tell a friend. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Aaron Rodgers Tuesday.